Welcome to the Rule Number 7 Podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Luke. And your rule of the day is the man, the myth, the dude man. We have my good friend of over 15 years here today to chop it up with us about the good times like Godfather Blunts on New Year's Eve to the not-so-good times like puking on homeless guys. We'll talk about how he went from spin kicks to skate decks and some other really cool shit. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Dilworth. What's up, buddy? How's it going, guys? What's up? What's up? What's up? Doing all right? Oh, yeah. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm happy to be here with y'all, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We appreciate you coming on, man. We've wanted to have you on now for a really good while. Oh, man. Trust me. I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, don't, don't be, be nervous, man. Get nervous when I start asking questions, not Luke's. Yeah, because oh, I got like three questions, and uh, that's it. And I got one funny TikTok for the end of the video. So, <laughs> can't wait so, to listen to you too. We uh we wanted to start out with uh Luke getting in or uh, to some questions about attitude check. Are you good with that? Oh, of course. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, like obviously, like Kyle has been around you a lot longer than I have, and I've only got to hang out with you like on special few occasions, but like I definitely follow up with attitude check and uh, really enjoy what you do with that. And uh, like, I just got few questions surrounding that. So like, how, how do you even get started in, in, in that type of scene to be able to put on that big of a deal? Well, man, it started uh, when I was still playing music and everything, you know, I had a little rider trucks and everything. Well, the custom show scene started to intrigue me more and more. So I started traveling and traveling and I was like, man, it would be super cool to have something like I'm traveling to in our town. You know, there was just nothing going on in Virginia. There was a couple other small shows in different parts, you know, a few hours away, but there was nothing in Fredericksburg. And I was like, man, Fredericksburg needs something super, super cool. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to jump both feet in the pot. And here we are 11 years later. I mean, that's that's a long time to do anything. And it, it does spread, dude. Like, I live in Front Royal now. And uh, there was, like, a fest somewhere in Winchester. And I saw a kid wearing an Attitude Check shirt. And I was like, yo, I know Joey. He was like, yeah, I'm good friends with him. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, but, like, so, I mean, did, it, did, did you have help starting it? Or is it something that you just took head on and took full responsibility of? When I first started the idea of doing a show, it was four of us, you know, and, you know, a bunch of people always get together like, yeah, man, we could do this. We can do this. We can do this. Well, then uh, when shit started getting real, you know, we had to start meeting with the county or the city. At that point, we were in Fredericksburg. We've moved to Caroline County now, which was the greatest thing we ever did. But, uh, you know, started meeting with city officials and then having to pick out the wallets and the checkbooks. Then it really got real. You know, it got down to just me. And then I could, I was so deep into it at this point, I couldn't just, not do it you know i was i put my whole life my reputation everything on the line so i was like okay here we go both feet in the pot and uh i got sued my first year you know (laughs) yeah it was shitting me by somebody you know oh by somebody we both know mutually from the show scene i won't can we talk to him can we like say him on i'll I'll drop his name i don't give a damn i'll leave it out if you want no i don't well no i'll tell you straight up zach DePaulo. From uh, Hacking Jesse. What a uh, fucking loser, bro. What a well, fucking edge break, first off. Oh, I well, yeah. this is going to be a good episode. What? You well, got here we go. I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk all kinds of shit because it's, you know, we're 11 years removed now. So, uh, you know, my first year I did the event, I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at all. I didn't know my head from a hole in the fucking wall. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to put on this multiple day event. I rented out the Fredericksburg Fairgrounds. Cost me out the ass. Oh, I had to have man. police department there. I had to have EMTs on hand. 
So I decided, cool. I seen one of my buddies from the sh- or from this music scene who started riding motocross. So I was like, cool. Let's see if we can incorporate something cool into the show scene that I haven't seen at another show. So I got with Zach, contracted him and a couple other riders to come down and do a freestyle motocross show. Right. You know, what didn't come out in court was all the party favors that I paid for, the hotel rooms I paid for, the fucking uh, excess amount of other shit that wasn't in the contract that they got from it. So at the end of the event, you know, the event cost me 20 plus thousand dollars, which I never expected. I was like, how expensive could a car show actually be? So uh, at the end of the event, everything got paid for except for the motocross. I contracted those guys for 3,500 bucks to ride for 35 minutes, you know, and then my dumbass, not knowing enough, didn't put in contracts all the excess stuff that should have been written off of that overhead price for them. So at the end of the event, everything else and done, I owed them $1,300. $1,300 fucking dollars, right? Zach comes to my job the next week and, you know, we signed another contract giving me two weeks to pay him off in full. And I told him, I was like, look, I just, you seen what we did. The event was, it was good. Our first year was phenomenal. You know, for a first year event, me being a nobody, just jumping into in a world that, you know, I was barely scraping the edge of, you know, we did phenomenal, you know, he sued me. I go, I come home probably two days after we signed another contract and I had a judgment order on my front door. So, uh, here we go. I'm going to get even deeper into the story. We go to court. This whole process goes on for three years, let's, let's just say. So uh, I moved the show to Caroline County. Little did I know, Zach Tapalo became a Caroline County resident himself. So <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he was oh, living, God, he was living in Ruther Glen. So this fucker went to the commissioner of revenue. Oh, well, here, let me go back to, we went to court. So when we went to court, he tried to sue me for punitive damages also because he wrecked his dirt bike on his property two days after the show. He said the stress of everything not getting paid caused him to wreck his bike. <laughs> what a fucking pussy, dude. So the judge, <laughs> the judge even looked at him and was like, yeah, you're full of shit. You can't sue him for something that happened on your property. You didn't wreck at his event. That, that's thrown out. So Stupid. the judge looked at me and was like, do you owe money? And I was like, yeah, man, look at the second contract that we signed, giving me two weeks to pay him in full which he didn't honor because he sued me. So uh, they gave him a judgment. Cool. I was totally fine with it. We walk out the courtroom and this fucking dude is like, oh, you're going to pay me now. You're going to pay me now. I was like, I'm not going to pay you a fucking dime. This is how you wanted to do it. Here's my social security number. Go to the clerk's office. You file your garnishment like the judge said. You'll get your $15 every two weeks on my paycheck. Fuck you. (laughs) So are you still paying that? No, no, no. I'm, the story gets better. We're just getting there. All right. So uh, he never files that judgment. For the next year and a half, he would send me messages and shit. And be like, oh, you better pay me. You better pay me. And I'd tell him, fuck you, pussy. I'm not paying you shit. Go see the courthouse like you're supposed to. So here we go. Year three of the fucking show. We're mid-Saturday. Everything's going on. Caroline County Sheriff's Department shows up with a judgment order from the Commissioner of Revenue to seize $1,500 from us. and you know, the judgment order of Zach DiPaolo, you know, so him becoming a Caroline County resident, he's able to go file that judgment, you know, a, a junction. So I had to fork over $1,500 to pay in full. So we're finally past that point of everything, you know, but it was just, he made me look like a fool. You know, we never really talked about it a whole lot. You know, I've told quite a few people we got sued, you know, it was just one of those things, you know, I'm proud of it to the fact now, you know, I got sued my first year. I'm on year 11. Fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. So if I heard you correctly, you said that 
you got seized for fifteen hundred dollars while doing the oh, attitude yeah. check oh, show. We are we are at like three o'clock Saturday afternoon. The show is full bore going on. Like I said, they showed up with the judgment order. I had thirty minutes to hand over fifteen hundred dollars, or they were going to go around to all my vendors until it was full, or until it was paid in full. Excuse me, or I was going to jail. So you know, we Jesus. of course you know year three we were we started doing good. We weren't doing that good yet. You know, it took probably six years of the event to finally start turning a positive note. Right. You know, like we struggled. My poor wife, if she listens to this, she is a fucking saint. The fact that I am still married, that I have a wife after all the shit that I've put us through, like we went through some serious hard times over a fucking car show. Right. Like, and I've told people many times that are talked about, you know, I'd like to get into doing a car show. You will, you better fucking love it because I promise you right now, if you don't love this shit with all your heart, you won't be doing it long. You will fold. You will go in the hole. And we did. We've took car loans. We've took loans from just any kind of loan that we could get just to feed ourselves after the event was over because, you know, we went belly up for years and years and years. But my beautiful fucking wife stuck with it. She just believed in what we were going to accomplish. And by about year seven, we started doing grand. Like, honestly, COVID. Thank you, COVID. Government, I just want to say that, U.S. government, thank you for producing a fake fucking virus <laughs> that threw my event over the top. That's sick, dude. Oh, it, well, I man. mean, with, with anything, it seems like, especially like car shows, music shows, events like that, you get married to it. You oh, know, 100%. Your, your marriage that you already have. And, and it seems that, like, your first five years, uh, I've always kind of thought is, like, the year where you really just struggle you oh, everybody 100%. thinks in the background that you're just fucking loaded with money but meanwhile you're eating like fucking oodles and noodles for 360 days out of the year when you're not putting on your show man this car show has caused friendships to end like caused rifts in my car club that i was a part of i'm still a part of the Clark club but i walked away from the chapter i was a part of you know over the car show it was it was the greed it was the monetary signs of doing good that caused a rift with friendships, which is ignorant. You know, right. instead of seeing your friends doing good and promoting them and kicking them, you know, let's do more, let's do more and helping out and just being a part of the positive. You know, a lot of people chose to be a part of the negative. You know, I am the farthest away from balling. A lot of people might think it. I drive a broke down Ford excursion that's got rust holes in it. You know, I, I eat oodles and noodles. We eat boxed Salisbury steak for dinner on Wednesday nights at my house. You know, like we're nothing good though. I, oh, yeah, I, I love Salisbury steak. Man, I'm not going to hey, front. Hey, that, that sounds good. <laughs> that banquet shit is my life. I love that. But you know, like we're just normal people. You know, I got in when I started doing the car show. I wanted to do something to positively give back. Like the first five years, we weren't able to accomplish that. Like we struggled. We struggled to just pay the bills of the event. It wasn't until I got into the point of creating merchandise, merchandising in the event is where we started to make a positive dollar that we were able to give back. And my goal with the event was never to have people give me money. I don't want you to give me your money so we can give it to somebody else. I wanted to do something that we could give a direct impact to the county that we lived in. I wanted to see the results of what we did. And that's why we started collecting the book bags, you know, every year for the show. And, you know, over the last four years that we've done book bags, we've donated almost 10,000 book bags to Caroline County schools. And that's, that's so rewarding to me. That's better than any payment that I could ever get for the event period. So I want to, I want to get more into that but I'm going to stop us real quick at 12 minutes. Um, 
because we got some static. So I'm going to stop us and make sure we're good. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So so what you were talking about with these backpacks. So so I assume like this, this were the backpacks the start of giving back to the community? Did you sense like putting on the show was giving back to like your side of the community? Like where, All right, like, where, the, where the, the ba- priorities on that? Okay, the backpacks. I wanted to do something with the event to give back, you know, some way, you know, other than what we do for the event during the event to give back to everybody that comes out. So, you know, I wanted to challenge the people that came to the show. So we do a club participation award and a lot of all the car shows do this. So the way that works is the club that brings the most members with the most vehicles to the event, they win club participation. Well, I threw that out the door. I challenged all the clubs that came to our event the club that made the biggest donation of backpacks would win our club participation. And we usually, every year, our club participation awards really cool. You know, it's alcohol based because we're adults. So uh, right. last year I gave out a nice bottle of champagne that was custom painted by a, a painter, you know, so the club after, you know, they're done, they can cheers and throw it back and, you know, congratulate themselves. Cause you know, the club that won it last year, they donated th- over 300 book bags alone and the oh, book yeah. bags. Yeah. The book bags that come to the show, the one stipulation that we make with book bags is each book bag has to have a piece of school supplies inside of it. It cannot be an empty bag. If you bring an empty bag, it does not count in your account for everything. So most of these clubs, they fill the book bags with full school supply kits. So a lot of times when we're giving them to the county, they're grabbing goes. So when a kid needs one, they grab the book bag, give it to them. It's already set up, ready for them to go for class. Right. And I wanted to do that. You know, we live in Caroline County. Caroline County is a you know, it's a smaller kind of forgotten town. It's starting to grow up a little bit here now, but uh, the school system out here is horrible. Kyle went to school out here. He could tell you, you know, the school system is just, it, it, it's not the greatest. So, you know, it's a, I'm not going to say a, a poorly written area, but you know, there's a lot of families out here that just don't have everything. So I wanted to give all the kids in this County an ample opportunity to go to school and get an education, just like everybody else, whether they had it or not. We wanted to take up the role of supplying it to the county so the kids would have it. That's sick, man. And I really think shit like that's really admirable because like what people don't realize is you have the stress of planning this show all throughout the year. You have the stress of getting all the shit within the county, the the permits, the cops, whatever that you have to get ready for it. But on top of that, you're still thinking of your local community as far as A, putting on something that families can come to and see cool shit and be yes. with their friends and be you're fucking giving back to the people through the rest of the year based off of now is is it a week long that attitude check is all right <laughs> when we first started it started out as a friday saturday sunday event right. well every year more people show up earlier so you know i moved it to a thursday friday saturday well people started showing up wednesday so i was like okay cool we'll do wednesday through sunday I had people show up on Monday. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to use this as my vacation. We're going to go Monday to Monday. It's a seven day camping trip with a car show involved. But we do, there's, there's so much more that goes on within it. You know, it's more than just cars and camping in a field. You know, Monday when we get there, we'll start setting everything up. You know, I got a graffiti artist. uh, Matter of fact, his name is G skills from right here in Fredericksburg. He's going to come out and paint this year. So we set up a eight foot tall, 40 foot long wall that gets painted on the show field. It's a muralist. So it'll be, you know, something car related. You know, I think this year the wall will say attitude, check the name of the show, but right. it also makes for a great backdrop. People take pictures with all week long. Um, he'll actually, he'll be painting it probably Friday to Saturday. Then on uh, Tuesday this year, we're going to do a taco cruise day. I'm going to try and get a couple taco trucks out there. 
just to entice the local community to come out and see that, hey, look, we've got something going on this weekend. If you want, come back. You know, this is free for everybody to come out, you know, come out, get some tacos, hang out, see what's already here. Right. Wednesday, we'll just continue setting everything up, getting everything in order, trash cans, dumpsters, blah, 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 porter potties, all the executive stuff. Then um, Thursday, I do a big catered barbecue for all the early birds. There's a club from down in Richmond, uh, Twisted Concepts. One of my really good friends, Philip Van Epps, is a part of it. And I'm really good friends with all the guys. I can see here name drop Mikey, BJ, Mitchell, Tori, um, Ward, all of them. Like, they're super good guys. So they're going to head up, and they did it last year. They're going to barbecue probably. 30, 40 pounds of pork. We'll have full sides and everything. So it's a big buffet. So right. everybody that's on site can have dinner on us that night. So, and it's just, yeah, it was just one of our ways that, hey, people have supported me for 11 years. I'm not in this to make money. I, I've never been in this to make money. Most of the money that we make off the event, like I said, we give back, you know, because then on Friday, we have a big cornhole tournament. We do a low car limbo. And then I get 40 some pizzas from the local pizza place and feed everybody pizza on Friday night. Right. And then we do the show on the main duration of the show. So we do raffles. We have an insane raffle. Like we raise a lot of money for charity off of our raffles every year, which is spectacular. And, but then um, Saturday after we do raffles and we do awards, we do movies and popcorn for the families up by the main stage. I think this year when we go to do the after party, we might have some live music planned. I'm not going to say anything about that until we get closer and we've got it 100% squared away. But uh if we don't do the live music, we have a DJ that plays, you know, up until 11 o'clock. Then we have, of course, of course, the county, we have to cut the music off at 11. But at 11, we light a big, huge bonfire. So we have a bonfire on the property until it's burned out. At that point, I back the truck up and we have endless adult refreshments, you know, also provided by the show. Just, right. you know, and it's more of our way of saying thank you for coming out and being here with us every year. Because it's just, like I said. Our event would not be our event without the patrons that come out and support us and show up and, you know, keep us going. Right. Car shows aren't nothing without people. Oh, absolutely, dude. And and like, so I, I, I told Kyle, like, I really want to come to Attitude Check this year. Um, and I haven't been to one yet. And, but uh, me, I don't know if you know who Brian Gordon is. He's one of my buddies that uh, me and Kyle know. He kind of grew up in Caroline too, but he, uh, he, he's always been into like, like a drift scene and like fucking mm -hmm. fast fucking cars and shit. So that was the type of car shows we went to before I left Fredericksburg. And it was always cool, but it, it, it never had any backbone behind it. it. It was just a bunch of punk fucking kids coming to a parking lot, doing burnouts and fucking leaving. But it, it, it's, it's nice to see because like um, here currently like i'm kind of switching waves with my life and i'm getting ready to get into um like obs chevys and that's getting ready to be like my main focus on things so like that is awesome oh dude i can't wait like you can ask kyle i've been so like fucking obsessed with these things and and, and like i told him i was like bro this is like the perfect venue for me to go to to like learn be around the fucking culture have oh, somewhere to take my vehicle like dude i'm it's it's insane how obsessed i am with them and and you can ask kyle like that that when I started talking about like getting into this, that was like the first thing I told him. I was like, yo, we can go to Joey's fucking show and, and it would be sick as shit. Oh, hundred percent. I know I got a couple of really good buddies that I hundred percent know their OBSs will be at the show. That's tight, man. I'd, I'd be excited to see them. But and um, there's a lot of fucking vehicles that show up, bro. Like we went last year and it took us every bit of two hours to walk through and see everything. Yeah, last year we had over 300 vehicles on site, show vehicles, you know, and there was probably 
a few thousand people. So do you think there's anything like attitude check in the state of Virginia? I know Virginia's big because you got like the beach, Richmond, you have Nova, DC, fucking so but do you think you are at the stage now where you're competing to be one of the biggest? Um, nah. Okay. Um, I'm at a point now where I'm confident we stand alone in what we do. There are right. other car shows and events around Virginia and I've immersed myself so deep in this world now. I'm I'm friends with promoters all the way out to the West Coast. You know, pretty much oh, yeah. if if you're a big event that does anything within, you know, say not just the mini truck world, but the car world, you know, I'm pretty on cue with most of all the events. Just because mainly when I went to choose my dates to do our event, I got a hold of promoters for a couple months just to make sure I wasn't double dipping and planning my event on the same day as theirs because I didn't want to hurt their attendance and I didn't want to take a chance of hurting what potentially could be our attendance. Right. So do you have do you have people that just come from Virginia or do you have like a lot of traveling people? Oh man, I had guys that flew out from San Diego, California last year. Fuck yeah. Like most 90% and this is this is one thing that probably hurts us a little bit that could probably take us over the top. I do not advertise locally whatsoever. Like one of the cool things I love about our event, if you don't know about our event, you wouldn't know that we're at that piece of property that weekend. You know, right. and even the county that we work with, you know, our local sheriff's department, they barely even have a clue that, you know, we've got almost 2000 people on this piece of property for the weekend just because we keep everything in order. And, you know, I've kind of set a standard, you know, and I've realized going to events, a lot of times if you have problems at an event, it's somebody locally that causes that problem. It's one of your buddies that lives up the road, comes to the party, overdoes it at the party, shows his ass. And gets the cops called, you know, like Kyle. I, yeah, that would be. <laughs> no, nah, I can. I could think of who. I could think of somebody. It wouldn't be me though. <laughs> but there's yeah, always, just, there's always someone causing riffraff, <laughs> right? Uh, and I'm sure that's something that you, is hard for you, it just being like the main guy to keep tabs on. And, Man, honestly, we have went 11 years pretty uneventful. Like, and good. this is how we've done it. You know, I created an event that we do camping. So we have RV hookups and a lot of people hit up RV share and get an RV dropped on the property. And I did the camping for the main reason is we party. We get out here and we get to drinking. We get to carrying on. I have a 120 acre piece of property just far enough off the road that contains us all. So I'm trying to keep everybody on site. That's why we do so much with feeding everybody. I've tried to make it to where nobody has to leave. I don't want nobody to leave and get a DUI. I definitely don't want nobody to leave my event and kill somebody more or less themselves. Right. You know, those were always my biggest fears with doing this because drinking leads to carelessness. No matter how you look at it, who you are, anytime you involve alcohol with a group of people, something stupid is bound to happen. So if right. you can contain it to an area as much as possible, you're least likely to have that incident. But, you know, like, like I'm saying, that's just why we did the camping, because I wanted to keep everybody on site. I didn't want nobody on the roads. Right. Which, is, I mean, to me, is a good representation of of you're the right person for the job because like you take you take anybody that has like a, a slight ego with these things or which you know whether it's motorcycles or fucking street cars or mini trucks someone's gonna have an ego about it and they're gonna be like well fuck everyone we'll do what we want at my fucking show and, and, it, and it shows maturity and and good representation for the scene of something that you care about that you're you're wanting to ensure that people are being safe to where you can continue doing what you're doing without any flack. 
from, you know, higher ups, the county or police, so on and so forth. 100%. And I dealt with the county last year. We had, finally, we had a woman put in a, a noise complaint. She lives probably a half mile from the venue. So she went to the county and to the board of supervisors, not even to like zoning and, and planning. She went to the board of supervisors and filed a complaint, which led me sitting in a board of supervisors meeting until almost one thirty in the morning. I was at that one. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the meeting, they just dismissed it because, you know, our county has been involved with our event. You know, I've made sure that the police department rolls through. Like when they do shift changes, you know, an officer rides through. They don't stop. They don't talk to nobody. They just ride through and, you know, they ride around the area. So if there's any flat going on on the property, they don't need to be on property to know where it's coming from. Right. So, and I also had a couple of guys bring some noise meters out last year just to run decibels just in case it happens again. So I can be like, no, this is what we're hitting and where we're hitting it at. So yeah. it was pretty much just a woman. She probably, she probably ran into a couple cars pulling into the lot and it stopped her from getting home to her bonbons and her TV show. Yeah. The problem with our county when it comes to the noise ordinance is because when we had the cops called here for band practice, the decibel level in this county is high or is lower than a normal conversation. So a normal, like us talking right now, we're actually breaking the noise ordinance. And that's stupid. It's ridiculous, man. Because I know, uh, you know, Kyle's told me about you guys having band practice and that idiot up the street losing his fucking mind about it. But I mean that, you know, I, I don't know how much you've been in the front Royal, um, but you know, we're, Oh, I definitely know about the area. Yeah. We're, we're small. We definitely have things, but I, like those old Southern, you talking about Caroline being a forgotten town, those old Southern farming towns, like, you know, they, they have been in their ways for so long that it's, I, I I'm personally surprised that you can even put on this event without like flack from the entire community. Well, and that's why we got into doing the book bags. You know, the county lets us operate here. So that's why I chose to give back to this county. You know, right. it's it's one of those things we scratch each other's backs. You know, we're doing good for each other. And yeah. they only have to deal with me one weekend or one week a year. You know, what we do, we give back to them all year long. Exactly. And and so so like my next question would be like, what's what's next on your scale of of what you want to accomplish like uh, is it stuff that you're willing to share if not that's cool but like are are you trying each year to to do something different to try and make it better are you doing little things but you're happy with the way things are going is it a constant change and talk between friends and and the people promoting the show all right man I'm, I'm actually glad you asked that so uh one thing i learned when i got into doing the event you know i jumped both feet in the pot i wanted to add so much i wanted to do this and do that do this do that and I realized I was stressing myself out because at the end of the day, most of the time, the people that come to the event, they're coming to just be together. It's not really, you know, there is big events out there that have all this stuff that goes on all day long. And by the time you go to those events, you wear yourself out. We have created an atmosphere where people use our event as their vacation because it's just laid back. It's relaxed. If you want to go be a part of the events, you can go be a part of the events because we have the camping and RVs. If you get hot during the day, you can go jump in your RV, come out for the nightlife. You know, we're 24 hour operating, you know, until you want to go to sleep. But uh, right. one thing I definitely did with the event is I started taking things away, you know, because I was, like I said, I was stressing myself out. You know, I already stressed myself out, you know, because I handle the awards. I handle all the planning. You know, my I have a lot of people that help me. I can't say I, I've always hated using that moniker of being 
I, you know, but I, you still I, have I, to give yourself credit though, because you are the driving force. Yes. And you know, a friend it. of mine, a really good friend of mine broke me down and I must drop his name. His name's John Brady from up in Pennsylvania. He helped me out with the show last year and he broke me down after the show and, and you know, it made a lot of sense. I really needed to start seeing myself, how other people see me and viewing, you know, what I do as the way they view it instead of beating myself up and wanting every aspect of it to be perfect and this and that. I just had to take a step back. Less is more and let the event organically grow as it's been growing, you know, because in the scale of social media and advertising, I'm horrible with it. Like right. I really am. My form of advertising is the traveling I do. You know, we're out here every weekend almost. You know, we travel 20 to 30,000 miles a year up and down the road just advertising this car show and my skateboard business. But, you know, I do that because why would you want to go to an event of somebody you don't know? You know, just something that looks like a cash cow from a flyer you got in the mail or something you see on Facebook. Or would you want to go to an event with somebody that come up and actually shook your hand and told you about the event exactly four, four states away? And I, and, I, and I thoroughly agree with that. Like, I, I, I firmly believe in T-shirts sell more tickets than fucking Facebook posts. Like when, like just your shirt, it looked like it was like a fucking, like a, an SUV slammed to the ground with fucking big ass chrome wheels on the shirt. I can't remember what it was. And it I just said attitude was, check on the front. I want to say that was probably the, the shirt with my Amigo on it. So yeah. I have a, I have a gentleman named John Beebe. He runs a clothing company called Drop and Wear Clothing. He does my show shirts for me every year. So, you know, I could have done show shirts myself. Because I've, I've jumped into the show shirt world or to the short world garment world myself with doing my own clothing for my skateboard company. But uh, it's one less stress that I deal with. And John, I love John to death. I've been following him and his wife, Jen, for years and years and years all over the show scene. And when I wanted to do a show, he offered it out. You know, I was a nobody. You know, mm -hmm. nobody should have ever supported me when I first got into this. And the couple big names that jumped aboard right away really helped bring us to where we are. You know, and they seen the years of hardship and they still stuck it out with me. And that's, you know, John from Dropham where he does my shirt for me every year. And it's always cool because he hand draws that piece of art. Right. Well, I think that that's spoken for any community where they see someone that really gives a fuck about the thing that they give a fuck about. They're going to lend a helping hand because uh, what I'm transitioning from kind of is I've always been big into motorcycles. Um, like I'm in a club like I fucking go do shit all the time. And I see people from one side of the country to the other. And and whenever someone's like, yo, we're putting on a show, we're putting on a bike night, we're doing this for charity, you see people on our like our private messaging board just jump in, yo, I'm gonna make this for the show so you can raffle it off. Or hey, like I'll 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 cut you a deal on making hats, shirts, coins, whatever, cups. And you just see everybody in that community chip in because you know that person is going to be a good forefront for the scene that you are in and that you care about 100 percent. so i mean it, it it makes sense as as passionate as you are about mini trucks and shit and and being a good forefront for it that people would want to be like yo i'll fucking make your shirts yo i'll come paint for you i'll do whatever we can and making the barbecue like it's just it, it all falls in line for me it makes sense yeah i've i've got the greatest support system in the world you know sometimes i beat myself up you know like man, I wish I had more friends. And I sit up and I think, you know, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said because I've got some of the greatest friends I could ever imagine for. It's me that holds myself back for not asking for help. Right.
that's understandable. And I mean, I can see that as a trait as a lot of people. Um, so like, as far as like the events that go on at this, I assume there's a car show and yes, I assume sir. you have like best in show and stuff like that. Now, uh, I am kind of ignorant to what exactly mini trucks entail. Like I look at Kyle's old mini truck and the fucking, the bed raises up and all this wild fucking shit happens. So do you have contests that are tailored to the weird shit you can do with mini trucks or is there like, I assume there would be a bunch of categories. Um, yes. So the way we do it is a lot of shows, they'll run classes where, you know, you'll have Chevrolet one, two, three, Ford one, two, three. So, uh, the way I do it just to make it a little bit easier on everybody is we do a top 60. So, you know, we'll go through after we tally up everything, you know, the 60 baddest to get those awards. And then we do the best of, so your best paint, best car, truck, bike, SUV, best interior, best motor. And then, um, I do another thing called club awards. So all the clubs that come to the show that sponsor the show also, we give them an award to hand out to their peers. So, you know, on top of us giving out awards, you know, it's just something cool, you know, to have somebody that's seen your vehicle out there and was like, yo, this is the coolest thing out here. And you get an award from them. But okay. like I said, that's just for the clubs that come in and sponsor the event. But that's then, um, sick, you know, I have a glass blower that comes out and he blows glass all weekend long. So he makes shot glasses, beads, champagne glasses bowls pipes you know anything you know that within that spectrum of what he does glass wise and then um there's a bunch of different clothing companies we have a bunch of food vendors you know so i have a barbecue guy we have taco truck i'm pretty sure the the gentleman that owns the property will have his concession stand open again this year mm -hmm. um we had tattoo artists on site last year slinging tattoos which was crazy some dude tattooed our show logo on his fucking throat I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was walking up just to see if everything was going all right. And I was like, oh, yeah, this dude's getting his throat tattooed. Oh, shit. It says AC10. Okay. I told that dude, I was like, look, you come back to the show next year. You come in for free, bro. I was like, you tattooed <laughs> our show logo on you your You live here throat. now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're, you're part of the alumni. <laughs> That's sick, man. Uh, I know, like, it, it, it's cool because, I, like, I, like I told Kyle, I do want to come this year and I'm excited to go. Uh, one thing me and my buddy Brian was we go to imports versus domestics up in uh, Maryland. Yeah, am I? Yeah, and that is literally my favorite time of fucking year. Uh, like that's in November. Yeah, being in that atmosphere, man. Like, and, and I, I don't know if you've listened a lot to the podcast or whatever. Uh, oh yeah. But like, I hunt my nuts off, and that is in like the middle of when I like to hunt, and I take time from it to go do that because it's so fun, and it sounds like your show, although it's a different side of vehicles is in the same realm of being enjoyable like that show is i mean it, it definitely is see we're not just a mini truck show we open right. up the show for anything if you are proud of your vehicle come hang with us like i've always kind of called our event a run it's not really a show you know it's more mm -hmm. of a run come out hang the weekend let's grill let's chill let's all have a great time i've told many people if i could get rid of the awards period I would just get rid of awards and we would have just a huge end of summer bash. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and it sounds like, um, it sounds like it's just a good atmosphere, man. And I'm really excited to come. I mean, it, it is a blast. And, and like with the, with camping, like if you're not power camping, you like the primitive camp, you can camp anywhere on the property. It's 120 acres. You can go in the woods and find a spot set up. It, you're not key to, I'm not, I don't tell people you have to be here. You have to be here. Now, the powered spots, of course, you have to be better power. But, <laughs> right. you know, you show up to the property. Once you're through the gates, you're at attitude check. Have fun. You know, we have guys with mini bikes. We have a bunch of trails on the property, too. So we have mini bike races. 
Saturday night, and there's a bunch of us on Yo, little fifty cc so dirt bikes. Fucking tight, man. That sounds so cool. So, oh. um, I, I want to make sure we're going to make sure that we plug everything for the podcast, and, and we've plugged shit before, especially last year. But, um, give me like the best plug that I that we can short term give people, like the dates, what to expect, where to be, and shit and like. Probably that. a lot of it would come from the Facebook page, right? Hundred percent. Like I have a Facebook page, which is Attitude Check Eleven. It was just the number eleven. And once you look it up, it should pop up right away with uh, the show, the show logo and stuff like that. But um, I post a lot off my personal page. You know, I, I hand out a lot of paper flyers. But uh, the best thing that I can do, like for your listeners, you know, attitude check this year is August 14th to the 20th at Mr. B's Park in uh, Ruther Glen, Virginia. Or I guess, is it Milford or Ruther Glen? No, that's Ruther Glen. Okay, it's, uh, Ruther what Glen. is that, Gatewood? Yep, Gatewood Drive. So it's pretty much one mile a mile and a quarter off of the Interstate 95, you get off at the 110 Ladysmith exit, and you head to U.S. Route 1. And I'm, I'll have signage up by that point, you know, when the show gets here, leading everybody to, so you don't get lost. Hell yeah. Well, I, I can't fucking wait, man. I appreciate you uh, talking to me so much about it. I'm sorry to ask you so many questions. It's just, Nah, man, this is awesome. It's something I, that, like, I, I'm not super into mini trucks because, like, you know, with my, like... Uh, the OBS that I'm planning to get and planning to do is going to be more like a street truck thing. And like, like pro street, big wheels. Yeah, in the rear. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting like a four, six drop on it. Me and Brian are going to turbo it. It's just going to be, it's uh, cause I like grew up with my, with my dad's friends. They all had, you know, the 94, 95, 97s. His best friend had two four fifty four SS stocks. And so that's what I grew up with. So that's the realm I want to go. But like, it seems like I'll still be, able to go to attitude check and like be able to show like yo this is this is my prize fucking possession oh a hundred percent you can definitely come out we had a couple guys with badass pro street trucks big huge blower motors sticking up out the hood last Fuck year yeah. but i love that shit man oh, i really dude. do that's why i like mir so much uh because it dude like you know i'm a chevy guy through and through always have been never owned a fucking ford never will but like I just Come love on. going out there and fucking seeing people just lose money and betting and fucking hollering at each other and eating shitty food. It's just so fun. So uh, I'm excited to be in this atmosphere this August. Nah, you definitely please come out. You, you will have a killer time. There's no doubt in my mind. Fuck yeah. Well, I'm going to hand more over to Kyle now uh, and let him ask all his questions. Yo, so I actually performed at the very first attitude check. That's was that a you and around. Taylor thing? Yeah, yeah, Faction did. They had a, right. Yeah, Faction you guys had a battle of the bands. Yeah, that was a, another learning experience there. You know, just me jumping both feet in the pot. I was like, cool, you know, we're going to have a car event. I got freestyle motocross. We got stump bike guys. I was like, why not add a battle in the band? It was cool. I, I should have saved that for like year five, year six, when we had drawn more people that would have actually paid attention to it. Right. And also timing. You know, trying to do something like that in the middle of the day when it's hot as fuck. Nobody wants to stand in front of a stage and watch people perform. Like, that's an evening thing. And it's just more things that I learned as we went on. You know, time frames of when to do things and when not to do things. You know, because one of the worst things to do with hosting an event is have a stagnant crowd. You know, when you get to the event and nothing is moving. You know, you've got a lot going on, but everything is just sitting still. Right. It was also hard having a group there. That was talking about murdering babies and stuff. Was that that panda gang group? <laughs> Those dudes, like, 
these fucking guys. Let me here we go. I'm gonna get a little bit more into that. So those dudes, they played, they got shut down by the owner of the venue because they were a bunch of white dudes up there dropping the end bomb. Like, of course, shut them down. You know, they were already told language is key. You know, content was key on what you were spitting out. And these dudes were up there just acting like asses. So they got shut down. The one dude in the group, I can't remember what his name is now, doesn't really matter. But uh, he calls me the next morning. It was also threatening to sue me because they got <laughs> shut down and I owed them money. And I was like, look, dude, check this out. You acted like a fucking fool. You were told not to. You got shut down by the owner, not the promoter. Keep that in mind. So if you got a bone to pick, call that guy. So this will be a good transition then going from uh, talking about music. I want to get into your music days. So I'm excited. Yeah, if you were telling your wife to listen to this, tell her to stop right here. (laughs) So I'm excited to not only reminisce memories, but Lucas does not know this side of me. So I'm excited to to share some of this stuff because I've I've never really gotten too deep into it with Luke. But um, yeah, I I came into Kyle's life like yesterday. I was like, "Yo, let's go get wings." He's like, "Man, I just really want to mow my yard, bro." So that's that's what I get to fucking deal with, <laughs> old man Kyle. <laughs> so uh, obviously, the music scene was much different from than what we're about to talk about till uh till when you came in. But uh, when when did you get into the music scene? Man, I got in. Like I started playing music, me, Ricky Robertson, Sean Baez, and a dude named James Ballister. We started a little project. We didn't even have a name. I think we called it She Said Destroy. Cause I, yeah, matter of fact, that's what we called it. Because I spray painted that on the side of the store beside my mom's house. She, you know, <laughs> dumb kid shit. You know, we're, we're going to be a grindcore band. So it was, uh, I was going to do vocals. Sean was doing vocals. Ricky played guitar. And James played bass when he wasn't having fucking seizures. So, uh. We did that for a while, and then, you know, we tried to find a drummer, could never find a drummer. You know, we did the drum program shit, so I was like, I think I could play drums. So I got a drum set, never played drums in my fucking entire life, and we started a three-piece band called Extortion by the Rest, and that was probably 2003-ish. And uh, we did some cool things, like, it, it got me out there into the whole pay-to-play world where, you know, here, you sell tickets, you can play with these big badass bands. Biggest fucking joke. And if any promoters in the music industry are listening to this, you're fucking idiots if you ever make bands pay to fucking play. You we, should... we actually just talked about that on a couple episodes ago. Yeah, it's the most ignorant shit in the world. And the guys that were doing it to us and all the other bands, they were patting their pockets instead of actually doing what could have... Well, that's Ooh, one it... of the reasons why our shows died in our area. Not just the violence from the hardcore scene, but it was the promoters being fucking shitheads. And I, I dude, I mean, like, to... The chime in man like because i was on the end of that to me i knew no better like uh, none of us we played shows man and someone was like yo sell tickets i was like fucking bet there was times i bought tickets because i was like bro i just want to play with this band exactly because it's the enticement it was almost like a pyramid fucking scheme it really was 100 percent. it was like there's no way around it either you paid a thousand dollars out of your own pocket to play with these badass bands or you had to get all your fucking friends that were broke to get their parents to give them money to buy tickets from you. So it was almost like it, it was a failure from the get-go. It was pretty much your, your band. If you wanted to do something in the music scene back then, you had to pay ass loads of fucking money. It, but, you know, it paid off because, you know, we got ourselves immersed in it, you know, started making connections and networking. And then when I, I joined Ends and Blood and we started Ends and Blood, it really helped us out because I kind of had my foot in the door. So, you know, I kind of knew a little bit more about what we were doing as a band 
but we still did it with ends of blood. We did the pay to play thing, but then at towards the end of it, you know, we started getting offered some badass shows, you know, just because we were a badass band, you know, we, we proved our worth in the scene. We were also one of the only bands that would show up each time tickets paid in full. Oh yeah. We would show up to the venue and have cash money ready for them. All these other guys would have to fucking stand outside and sell tickets or, Oh, give us 45 minutes. People are on the way. You know, <laughs> not, we were the only ones that really showed up. Here's 1500 bucks. What time do we play? And we got right. thrown some really cool fucking time spots to play too. So with Extortion, that was the only band you were ever in before Ends and Blood? Um, I had messed around with a couple other guys. Um, Eddie Johnson, which of course you know Eddie. Eddie's a good friend of ours too. The human metronome. The human metronome. And that dude, I love Eddie Johnson to death. And if he hears this, Eddie, I fucking love you, dude. Even though we don't get to talk a bunch, you have always been one of the biggest influences in my life, Holmes. So uh, Eddie had a band called Beneath the Falling Skies. It was him, another dude named Josh. Um, Jeremy was the drummer, and uh, Chris Thompson, I think it was his name, was the guitarist. So I jumped in with those guys and started getting my you know, vocals underneath of me a little bit. Well, uh, things didn't really pan out there. They ended up getting another vocalist, which I think, matter of fact, Josh stepped off of bass and became the vocalist, which was awesome. A killer fucking band. They were Beneath the Fallen Skies, and then they turned into To a Burning End, which turned into Stitch the Lids. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, that's just the evolution of those three bands, but uh, they were mostly a lot of the same members, but it, great musicians. It was great to get in there with a bunch of guys that were older than me, had already been doing it, you know, helped me get my feet on the ground with, you know, how to be a vocalist, you know, what I wanted to do as a vocalist, the kind of music I really wanted to be a part of. But then um, after doing a lot of that, you know, I jumped back into the drums full bore and, you know, we were doing, I'm not going to say we were doing huge things with extortion by the rest, but uh, we were starting to get to a place where we were getting noticed and we were starting to write pretty decent music for the time of metalcore that we were writing music for. You know, we weren't the greatest band. We were a breakdown, beatdown band, you know, fuck your face kind of shit. You know, that's all we really wanted to do. We just wanted to see kids act crazy, throw shit across the room, jump off of shit, kick each other in the face and then have a good time. So uh, that went on for a while. We ended up bringing another guitarist, which, here we go. That actually split off at one point from Extortion by Duress. We started another little side project, which was a couple of the same members with another vocalist called On a Wing and a Prayer. That uh, I remember that band. Nick Mateko yep. was a part of that band. So was Bobby Kopic from With Haste at that point in time. Bobby Prayer? Bobby Prayer. Yeah. That so, was the MySpace name. <laughs> yep. That was the MySpace name. So, uh, you know, and we did that for a little while, which was cool, you know, but um, at that point, I lived in a townhouse so eddie played guitar nick mateko played bass i played drums ricky played guitar and bobby prayer did vocals so we did that for quite a few months and then uh we just kind of separated away from that and went back to extortion and that's when we started taking a little bit more serious we were writing a little bit more structured music instead of just the fastest noisiest grindcore that we could play but and I would say you guys did get some notoriety, which um, which I'm going to get into. But I wanted to know, did you ever tour with that band? Um, we never toured. Well, we did weekend skirmishes. So we would go out and play, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of deal. But we, with Extortion, we played everything and anything we could. It didn't matter what it was. If it was a small bar in Fredericksburg on a Wednesday night, we played that shit. If it was a big show on Saturday at KC's, we played that shit. If it was a show on Monday in Richmond, if it was a show in DC, it didn't matter where it was. If we were thrown the bone to play a show, 
We didn't even look who we were playing with, where it was at. We were just loaded and we were on the road. God, I wish Luke was around for the KC's glory days. Mm -hmm. Oh, KC's. Oh, my God. The fact that the hardcore scene lasted as long as it did in that building blew my mind. I mean, dude, you have people that, that are not from this state that me and Kyle know that know what KC's is. Well, at one point in time, KC's was the staple. Like, most people might agree, disagree with me on this. KC's Music Alley was the CBGB's of Virginia. Absolutely. Like, if you were a metal, hardcore, death metal beatdown band in 2005 to 2008, your tour went to KC's Music Alley. It was no doubt about it. And when those shows came through, I've been in that building with 5,000 plus people. I've, there was one show, the fire marshals were standing at each door, and they were only letting one person in for every 10 that came out. And that was the show of the summer 2006 with the Dillinger Escape Plan. That's when you look on YouTube for KC's. That's when you see that big-ass show with like Black My Heart, Dillinger, oh, yeah. Yeah, all yeah, those exactly bands. What you're talking about. And that's not the only big show. When they did the very first VA Metal Fest, On Broken Wings, Remembering Never, Black My Heart, um, Too Pure to Die, Judas Cradle, um, The Red Chord, Despised Icon, Alicia, Suicide Silence, like it was it, a stacked house. It was two days worth of music. It was fr Saturday and Sunday is how long that show was. And they had four bands going or four stages going all day, each day. That's insane that Casey's was able to provide that too. But I mean, it makes sense because like it being in the middle between Nova and fucking DC and all that. And then you have like the beach in Richmond. I mean, it's perfect for everybody to travel to. Well, it was the common ground for the yeah. East Coast, too. Oh, dude, FSU lived at Casey's. Oh, 100%. That's so, insane, man. What, was, what would you say your favorite show you ever played with Extortion was? Oh, man. I think the coolest show that we ever got to play with Extortion was probably the show of the summer. Was, was, oh, you guys played that? Yeah, we played that. We got in. We got thrown a killer time slot. We played right before Despised Icon. So we played in the side stage, in the side room. There was probably a thousand kids in there. Like you couldn't move. Like like there was no kids able to even really throw hands because it was just so packed shoulder to shoulder. Wow. I want to say um, like I don't know how, but I want to say like Seosin played right before us. So they broke shit. down. We set up, and it was us. And then Despise the Icon. Like as soon as we hit our last note, Despise the Icon hit their first note on the main stage. That's like when we played Sonar, and we got to play after Stick to Your Guns, and right before Parkway Drive. Yeah, dude. Oh my god! The, the show I got kicked out of. Yeah, we're gonna get into that. <laughs> so, um, I feel like to to kind of turn the conversation towards ends and blood. I feel like the turning point for a lot of people was Cleansing Fest, which was at KC's. That was my very first show I ever went to. That was kind of a turning point for uh, Toby and Ian uh, with Mercy Screams. They started Moonlight with us, and I believe that was Extortion's last show. Um, I believe you're correct because uh, we we started having internal issues. Like it was never a, a fact that we weren't creative and not writing music. There was a lot of egos, you know, and a lot of us couldn't swallow our pride and admit our faults and admit our wrongs, and we just disbanded. Okay, so 
that was a fucking insane show, by the way. Oh yeah, that was that was a killer show. That was Suicide Silence, Alicia, Full Blown Chaos, uh, Despised Icon, Despised Icon. You know, Stick to your guns. Yeah, yeah. I got to hang out with Mitch Lucker that night. Yeah, oh killer, my god, killer shit, dude. So after that show, uh, because I was already hanging out with Toby and Mikey, <laughs> trying out for drums, and I remember going to your house. Uh, maybe a few days later, might have been the next day, and I believe we played a song for you. Yeah, and totally blew my mind because I think that song later became a lettered seal with hate. Yes, it one hundred percent did. Yeah. So, what did they know that you did vocals? Because, like, how did how did Mikey and Toby even get introduced to you? How did like how did this come full circle? Mikey Richie. So, Mikey had played guitar here and there with extortion. So there was a point where we needed a second guitarist. And uh, before we got the guitarist that ended the band with us, um, Mikey started playing guitars with us. And uh, Mikey was just all over the place and really couldn't commit to being in the band. So uh, we started going with a kid named Josh Searles, a little Bree Bree that played. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. But, uh, but uh, Mikey ended up, you know, Mikey bounced all over the place. You know Mikey. I know Mikey. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, right after that show, you know, we had split. Like it, after that that show had happened, we had practice that next week, and it was in the middle of practice that everything blew the fuck up, and you know the band was over at that point. And then Mikey was like, "Hey, I've been jamming with some guys, man. You care if I come over and show you what we've been doing?" And you know, I kind of took Mikey as a grain of salt. You know, right. Just you know, I love Mikey to death. We'll always love Mikey, but uh, he was very uh, Mikey. It was very good. <laughs> he was very Mikey. So uh. <laughs> He came over with you and Toby, and I'd already had the studio set up in the in the bottom room of the house that I had. Yeah, the bunk bed with the drum kit under it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Stories. If those walls could talk. Oh, they will today. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, y'all proceeded to sit down and blew my fucking mind. Like, literally blew my mind, because I didn't expect what came out of the instruments in that room that came out, pretty much. It, it was it was wild. I I I actually don't remember playing letter for you, uh, but I remember being at your house where the island was in the kitchen. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything else about that day. Uh, and then it, and then it just took off. So in the snap of a finger, we went from cleansing fest jamming around with Toby and Mikey, which I was actually in talks to be replaced. Uh, they weren't going to go with me for the drummer. Dumb. <laughs> I, I, there, I think there was a guy named Ralph they wanted to go with. Or Mikey, maybe. Anyways, so we, we go from Cleansing Fest, Extortion by the Rest, you shoulder bumping me and looking at me like you wanted to fucking slice my throat, <laughs> not even knowing who each other was, <laughs> scaring the dog shit out of me. I oh, am man. fucking hungover so bad because I partied in Monarchy, which Luke knows about Monarchy Trailer Park. Yeah, um, oh, I know about the trailer. I called it Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Good old Pedro. Yeah. Fucking so, Kyle, bro. I had just started drinking. We're, we're going to take a little fucking shortcut here. Let's do it. Let's please. The, I had just started drinking, bro. I, I don't know. Maybe like six months into it. And Kyle's like, yo, let's go to the trailer park. I was like, all right. And fucking, I'm like ready to roll. I think I was like 19 or 20. And I get to Kyle's house and I just go, it's like four o'clock and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, 
bro, I thought we were going to party. He's like, it's four o'clock and my parents are upstairs. I was like, it's all right, dude. And I had a fucking, uh, what was it? I think it was a deuce deuce. It was like a Miller deuce, High deuce. Life or something like that. Yeah. I had two of them motherfuckers. And I was I like, I it. thought we were coming to party, man. And, um, and then we go to Matt Mead's house. Totally sound like dude man right there. I came to party. <laughs> yeah, dude, I came to get fucked up. And so we go to Matt Mead's. He's like, what are you guys doing? I was like, man, I'm looking for a 40. He was like, oh, I got one in the fridge. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah, because so, that's when Matt lived in the trailer park with them. Dude, and, and then Matt went and got us a case. And when I say us, I mean me. And... <laughs> <laughs> fucking I just dude I just we played beer pong and I just drank and then I slowly realized Kyle hasn't even drank at all I'm sitting here getting fucked up by my own goddamn self I've been to the trailer park before but I know how to pace myself there bro and then I was like I was like I think Kyle was like I'm going to McDonald's I was like, give me chicken nuggets and he brought me back a 20 piece or something and I just proceeded to fucking throw all of it up and he got this fucking one picture of me in the trailer park dude and <laughs> he's already got it pulled up. Let me see high school it. graduation shirt. Yeah, let me see that shit. Yeah, oh dude, I was all oh, Joey. I mean, that was one of the most <laughs> fucked up I've ever been. And he was like, welcome to the trailer park, bud. I was like, you haven't drank at all tonight. I'm so fucked up. Yeah, dude, like I said, I know how to pace myself. I've been 14 Adderalls deep rubbing my tongue skin off with my teeth, so. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, where the fuck were we? Oh, uh, man. So what I was going to say is <laughs> I don't think any of us realized how crazy shit was going to be for the next three to four years. Because like I said, it was it was my first show. There was talks about replacing me. Uh, your guys is the last show. Then we end up at your house. And uh, so now I understand how they knew you, or at least Mikey did, to ask you if you wanted to do vocals. Um. So I, I want to get into ends and in blood now. Yeah. And I want to start it out hot as can be. How did you end up with the nickname Nuva Ring? <laughs> well, let's hear that. I didn't end up with that nickname. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, God. <laughs> you're, so. fucking, you're such a dick. Oh, my Lord. Uh, so... What what do you <laughs> what do you think your craziest memory of ends and blood is? Of ends and blood or just that time period? Let's go with that time period because there think, was a lot of crazy shit you and I ended up doing together. I think the craziest shit was the night I maced those two girls at Ian's house. <laughs> the poor girls, like I was a dickhead, and it like it even having kids didn't stop that. Yeah, we're full dude man right now. Okay, we're full dude man. I was a fucking piece of shit dickhead. My ultimate goal every day was to get up and see who I could be the biggest dick to and who I could fuck up that day. Like, it was stupid. I went to car hardcore shows for the wrong reasons. I went there to literally just hurt people. And it was dumb. And that's kind of the shit that led to the demise of what was the great hardcore scene. It was just senseless violence. But I bought into that shit because I went to hardcore shows and it was, who's the biggest dickhead in the room? Well, my little 120-pound ass is going to be the fucking biggest dickhead in this room. You watched throwing bar stools, mason bitches, fucking fighting anybody, just beating everything up that I could fucking get my hands on. It was stupid. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about that story of him macing that girl? No. Oh, here we go. I'll tell you. Yes, please. Here we <laughs> Pause, go. Pause, I'll tell you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go full D 
detail into this shit. Yes, so please. I was dating a girl named Catherine Stanball. Everybody knew her as Kitty. She was a fucking bitch. So me and her were fighting. We were arguing. Ian was having a big party at his house and all this shit, which was miles away from my house. So I was like, fuck it. I was trying to score a little bit of bud, you know, because at that point in time, I still smoked heavy. So um, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go over here. And I'm going to find me a little something. I was already in a bad fucking mood. The worst fucking mood ever. I, I didn't need to be around people. I was in the set the fucking world on fire mood. So two days prior, <laughs> I had bought a fucking dog the bounty hunter licensed can of bear mace. And this <laughs> son of a bitch, it was like massive. It, I want to say it was like 64 ounces of le- like bad bear mace. Like when this shit sprayed out, it sprayed as water. And as soon as it hit the air, it turned to Vaseline. Like, it was just a gel. Like, there was no getting this shit off of you. All right? Holy keep, shit. All right, keep this can of mace in your mind. So we get over to Ian's house. I can't say we. I get to Ian's house, and I go inside. Everybody's already partying, hung out, drunk. I just wanted to get my little $20 bag of fucking weed and go the fuck home. I was just like, fuck this. Fuck everybody here. So uh, they were like, hey, dude, stay. Let's go smoke a cigarette real quick. So I step out back. Ian's family is having this addition built on their house. That's where everybody's standing and smoking. So. I go out there and this fucking random girl, I don't even know who she is. Until this day, I still don't know who the fuck she is. This bitch walks up to me. I was in a bad mood. She walks up to me and she was like, oh, you think you're better than everyone? And she pushed me. <laughs> like, she put her fucking hands on me. And I'm, like, I'm the type of person, I can handle you spitting on me more than I can handle you putting your fucking hands on me. Like, I'm just, I, I snap. So I... I look around the room. I pan the room for a second. And I'm like, okay, who the fuck is this bitch with? And I don't see anybody that's familiar. So I was like, you know what, bitch? You don't know who the fuck I am. Your best bet is to go the fuck across the room and just leave me the fuck alone. Well, she didn't do that. She said, no, fuck you. And she pushed me harder this second time around. Oh, man, I fucking blew up. I grabbed this bitch by the side of her fucking head. And I literally, she was standing up. I put her on the floor. I bounced her head off the fucking floor like a basketball. When that shit happened, like her head bouncing, it quieted the fucking room. The whole room looked over like, what the fuck just happened? Her friend notices what happened and was like, oh, my God, did you bump your fucking head? This bitch starts running at me, right? But five times she got (laughs) arms reach. I grabbed her fucking head and I bounced her shit off the floor. So here we go. We got these two drunk bitches get up off the floor and they're discombobulated like shit. They're fucking wobbling because I didn't Conor McGregor their fucking asses, dude. <laughs> Who the fuck is this girl? Know, Who the fuck are you? So at this point, I'm looking at everybody and, and these are all my friends. I'm trying to fight everybody. I was like, you want some? You want some? I'm trying to fight every fucking one. They're like, dude, you got to go. You got to go. Oh, my God. So I was like, cool. I'm fucking gone. I go outside. Hold I'm on. leaving. Time out. Time out. Yeah. Did you have the weed yet? <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah okay. I, I i already secured the sack okay. so uh i'm leaving i make it all the way outside and i'm casually just calm walking fucking fuck this bitch fuck that bitch i should have fucking kicked her you know i'm just cussing this bitch comes out the fucking house running after me and i'm like you didn't get enough the first time around at this point toby our guitarist he runs behind her and grabs her this bitch is like you don't know who i am i'll have you killed blah 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 i just looked at her calm as i could be and i was like you be right here when I fucking get back. And I just casually walked the next 50 foot to my truck. I grabbed that fucking can of bear mace. And when I walked, and I didn't run. I walked like Jason Voorhees chasing a bitch through the fucking woods, dude. I just walked up to her all calm. And by the time I got about five foot from her, because this shit sprays 30 foot. I didn't need to be that fucking close. 
<laughs> so I get all the way up to her and Toby's right there. I grab Toby by the side of his face and I mush him to the side and I just started spraying this bitch in the face. And, I, and the only thing I could say to her is just go in the fucking house, lay down, bitch. Well, she turns to run and she falls <laughs> when she fell and hit the ground. I stepped on her fucking hair and I dumped the entire fucking can on her, dude. I, just, I gave her the entire fucking can, all 64 ounces. Her entire body is covered in fucking pepper mace, like, like Vaseline pepper spray. So at this point, I really had to get the fuck out of there. So I dip out and two other people, we dip. I get about halfway up the fucking road and I had to stop and get out. And these motherfuckers were like, dude, that was the craziest shit I've ever fucking seen. Well, it gets better. This girl goes in the fucking house, right? Covered in all this mace. They put her in the fucking shower. She gets naked and gets in the fucking shower. She's running all this mace off of her face and off her body into her twat, dude. So she oh. starts she starts jumping around, fucking screaming, flailing all over. I wish I could have seen the video. Like flopping, like beating herself up because this mace is just burning her the fuck up from head to toe. And <laughs> I went home and took bong hits in peace. <laughs> I took my $20 bag of weed and got the <laughs> fuck up out of here. Like, it was just, like, dumb shit. Dumb shit, dumb shit. Like, you know, I look back on stuff like that now, and I was like, yeah, there's no fucking sense in that. But I was just, I was that fucking idiot, dude. I I blew off the fucking handle. I, I have become so much more of a patient, calm person at this point in life than I ever was. Well, like I told you, you're not dude man anymore. You're dad man now. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm like... Danny Tanner, dad, <laughs> you know, like I'm yeah, packing the kids' lunches. I'm doing the baths. I'm fucking sweeping them up in the floor and shit. I just shoot people. I don't pepper spray them anymore. <laughs> well, uh, that is so fucking pepper spray. <laughs> well, like no bullshit. We had been going through a bunch of shit at shows where, you know, there was a, I'm not going to drop their name because I'm friends with some of them now, but there was a crew that popped up. And we're going around shows just acting like fucking fools. And, you know, back in our day, you weren't coming to Fredericksburg and disrespecting our fucking venue. You know, we didn't have, we weren't FSU. We weren't Courage Crew. We weren't the militia. You know, we were just Fredericksburg heads, but you didn't come to our venue and disrespect it, you know, because we would fucking wreck shop. There was quite a few of us. And, you know, a lot of us got our respect too. Well, there's these guys from Northern Virginia that would come down. And because of a, a couple certain people that were dating girls that they knew, they, they started a big old fucking riffraff one night out behind KC's. I wasn't, here we go. Let's go into another hardcore story. I wasn't even going to this fucking show this night. <laughs> Dead to Fall was playing at KC's. I've seen Dead to Fall millions of times. I get hit up by the girl Amanda that was promoting for EE Booking at that point. And she was like, hey, are you able to get a little something for Dead to Fall? They're just trying to party a little bit tonight. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll swing by. I'll bring them something. That's not a problem. So I'm out back. I'm hanging with John from Dead to Fall. And we're just bullshitting and talking. And next thing you know, this fucking mob of heads just come around the fucking building one of the dudes uh everybody called him ethan crisis he had beefs with my boy josh Neelands. so uh oh yeah yeah that night so uh cool you know if, if two dudes want to scrap it out i'm for it dude i'm for it i'm i got no desire to jump in. your beef is not my fucking beef but i'm also gonna let my boy get his fucking ass beat you know severely you know rough him up teach him his fucking lesson be done with it shit well there was like 25, 30 fucking heads, you know, and they all had their little ski masks on and shit with their fucking hoodies. Fuck all of them is what I said. So the, the fight starts happening. Nothing, you know, two dudes are fighting. Well, a couple of dudes come over there to start trying to get in it. I run up on it. You know, at this point, you know, a couple other heads are trying to run up on it. 
So I'm scrapping. At this point, I had a fucking boot on my leg. I had a broken ankle. And I, that's why I wasn't even going to the show. So the fight starts happening and all this fucking shit. Next thing you know, I had a need this dude in the face. He's rolled up under the van. Some dude grabs me in a fucking chokehold and starts dragging me. I'm just busting my head backwards. I broke this dude's nose. Matt Wade from fucking, he also was in with his haste. He takes me in the venue and throws me on the fucking ground, tells me to chill out. I'm already in fucking rage mode. I grabbed a bar stool, ran back out, hummed the bar stool over into the fucking crowd heads. I'm trying to get back in the fucking fight, dude. You know, because I was standing there. I was like, why aren't any of my fucking friends fighting? Everybody's just standing there watching this shit go on. I'm like, yo, fuck you. You should be stabbing somebody. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? So, you know, it was another one of those instances where, you know, you and okay, but leading up to that, that was kind of why I bought that can of mace, you know, because I wasn't going to get run up on by 15 motherfuckers thinking they're going to get a, a, the advantage on me. No, I'm going to mace everyone in this crowd and I'm going to piss on you and stomp the fuck out. <laughs> Bear mace. Oh, hey, dude, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't give a fuck how bad you think you are. That shit that the cops carry can't hang with the fucking bear mace, bro. Like oh, this dude. shit, this shit drops thousand pound grizzly bears. Like there ain't a motherfucker <laughs> in this world that's under, standing up and to this under shit. Hundred twenty pound white bitches. <laughs> and under, hey, dude. I felt like I'm not gonna lie. I sit back sometimes now and think about that night, and I feel horrible. Like I feel fucking horrible because, <laughs> like, like, like there's a limit where you take shit. And I went 50 fucking yards past that limit. And for what reason? The poor little fucking girl. She was just drunk. She to be just... able to tell this story on this podcast. That's why. <laughs> oh, God, dude. And then it was just like, like I said, you know, the hardcore scene was just so much senseless violence, man. It, it, we didn't go to enjoy bands. Yeah, the bands were playing. We were there just to fucking be dickheads and say, fuck you. So, so to to go back to the music scene, yeah. back to the ends and blood stuff. You act, you were the one that thought of the band name, right? Um, yeah, I came up with it. So, can refresh my memory of that because this is another thing that I don't recall at all. I remember the two choices, but I don't remember how it happened. Well, man, I just uh, you know, of course, in the early two thousand, mid two thousands, you know, most hardcore bands were something to do with die, something to do with blood, <laughs> you know. So it was just, you know, I want to say like one of the first names that I came up with was like, well, beat her guts was one of the God, options. I love that fucking <laughs> name, dude. Yeah. Just beat our guts or her guts. And then I, I think I like break free from the abyss was one. I don't remember I, that. And then there was, um, ends in blood. And then, you know, the, the way it came to me and I was like, you know, that's how I wanted our shows to be. I just wanted our shows by the time the fucking final note hit, I wanted somebody bleeding. I just wanted fucking that senseless violence that we all craved from the hardcore scene. That's what I had the desire to have. From and I would say 95% of the time it happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. should have been called Ends Without Vocalists. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think your favorite show we ever played was? Man, like I can't just narrow it to one. But like the big three that always will stick in my mind and I will never forget. Miami when we played at the fucking dugout where the barber was yes yeah well the barber I don't know if anybody out there has ever listened to the band called knock them dead so the badass hardcore band from down in fucking Miami area the vocalist from that band his name's Hamlet my man edged me up before we played our show it was one of the coolest shit I felt like a G dude because we were nobodies down here and we're down here with a bunch of Dominicans Cubans Puerto Ricans and stuff and they're all hanging out backstage in what would be like the green room area and they're giving haircuts and I just looked at my man. I was like, yo, can I get next? And he was like, jump in the chair, bro. So we're just sitting there chopping up about music while my man's edging me up, making me look good. And then I jumped out the chair. Five minutes later, I was on stage singing. It, Fuck yeah. That's uh, sick. It was, it, dude, it was like the pimpest shit at all. I was like, yo, I'm Jay-Z right this minute. <laughs>
But um, yeah, the, the Miami show was spectacular because we were nobodies. Nobody knew us. And within 10 seconds of us starting, we had a massive amount of kids in front of us showing us mad love. Yeah. Then um, that same tour that we did there, the very first show of that tour, because that was the last show we played, the first show of that tour we, we played up in Lynchburg. Or no, I take that back. It wasn't that show. It was when we went to the warehouse to play with Adrian and I Am Kid. And I can't remember what the other band was. Cowabunga, maybe? That sounds familiar. I think it was. But uh, yeah, it was just this cool warehouse. We show up to them. We're like, damn, there's going to be a show here. And then there was like 400 fucking kids that showed up. And that it was, was the Lynchburg location? Yeah. That was on college campus, wasn't it? Well, that when we did the tour, we played at the college with Death Do Us Part. Okay, that's, that's you're, where we so met you're up talking with about the show where Dr. Akula was supposed to play? Yes, yes. Because gotcha. that, was, that was the show Daniel played with us also. That show is my favorite picture that was ever taken. Oh, yeah. No, that was one of the most epic pictures. There's this Right before we started playing, there's a picture of me and Kyle. Kyle's on the drums. I'm just sitting there with my foot against the fucking drums. And we were just looking at each other. And I, I remember exactly what we were saying. It was, dude, this is fucking nuts. Like, holy shit. Like, he could see the crowd behind me. I couldn't because I was looking. I was just looking at him because I was just like, holy fuck, dude. There's a massive amount of kids here. You know, we were used to playing in front of decent amount of crowds. But at this point, this was one of the biggest crowds, especially in the middle of Lynchburg. We were nowhere. Right. That was Lynchburg. a huge fucking show. Lynchburg, yeah, no, for Lynch- some reason, always had like, like every once in a while, you had a shit ton of people oh, yeah. come out. Yeah, that's the Yeah, I've, I've seen that picture before. Yeah, that man, I fucking love that picture. Like, I would love to put that picture on a sweatshirt with some kind of like... Fuck yeah. Like, I, the sweatshirt I'm wearing, and I've told Kyle about this so many times. Here we go. That same tour. I We're going to get into her. Okay, okay. well, I'll save it. I'll save it until we get into her. That was when that was when I was wearing the war from a Harless Mouse yeah. shirt that said, if it ain't broke, blast break the, the fuck, fuck out, out of it. it. Yep. And I was wearing the hoodie from a band called Pound for Pound that said positively negative. And that was like, that was pretty much, that, that was me. That was my whole whole mind frame at that point in time in life. Like, I was a completely positive person, had great things going for it, but I just, fuck the world, dude. Fuck you, fuck everything. Fuck it. So you have... The Miami show, the Lynchburg show. And then we played, what was that fucking show called? It was up in, the one in Maryland when we played with Prepare to Die. God damn it. It wasn't. Oh, Thrash and Burn. Thrash and Burn show. Yeah, we played that show. And that was another one, you know, we, we just played a great That was when time. they put us on after Stick to Your Guns. Yeah, and it was a packed house. Super fucking packed house. I only got to play four songs with the band, but it was still a great fucking show. There's a lot of Jaeger drink that day. Oh, man, we got the... Uh. That show alone, <laughs> they made us... Hold on. This is where it got really fucked up. We had to be in Baltimore at 8 a.m. Not Ew. to load in. We had to be there to check in. If we didn't check in by 8 a.m., we did not play. And we so, played at every bit of 7 p.m.? Uh, yeah, it was like seven, seven thirty. What the dark fuck outside. was the point in that? I don't. I have That's not the way a shit clue. used to be around here, and bud. Keep in mind, this was in Baltimore, so we left Fredericksburg at like six just to get up there to make it there. So when we tried, yeah, we left your mom's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we hit the Wawa before. Yeah, you want to talk about a disaster? At this point in time, I had a extended cab Dodge pickup truck, right? <laughs> so we took fourteen people. To Baltimore in this truck. Fourteen. I am. I shit you not. There was four of us sitting on the front seat, 
four people sitting in the fucking backseat and the rest of everybody else was in the bed. Oh, we had people in laps, everything. This is no bullshit. We had the trailer on the back of my truck loaded with all of our equipment and we set sail to fucking Baltimore. So we get there. It's eight o'clock in the fucking morning. We check in. What the fuck are we going to do all day? The music didn't, the train doesn't start until one. <laughs> so somebody goes to the liquor store. They had fucking Jaeger already frozen at nine o'clock in the morning. So they brought two fucking fifths of Jaeger back. Within 30 minutes, we've killed one fifth and we're already in the second fifth. So we're running around Baltimore acting fools. One of the dudes that's with us, Fudgy Brown's butt ass fucking naked, running around God, the goddamn fudgy. interstate and shit. <laughs> I'm inside already fucking fight. Like, as soon as the first band opens up, I'm in there just fighting people. I didn't give a fuck. I was just like, fuck it. I don't, fuck you. I'm just punching everybody in the fucking face, acting like a fucking fool. So we proceeded to drink all fucking day long. The drinking never stopped. And I still had to drive us home after the fucking show. Was that the night that we almost fought somebody on the interstate because they were trying to take the truck off the road? I believe so. 100%. That was a wild night, bro. Yeah. Sorry. So what do you think the biggest show we ever played was? That's probably either that or Lynchburg would probably have to be the biggest. So my favorite, plus what I think is the biggest show we ever played is we played the second Virginia Metal Hardcore Fest. Down at Canal Club. It was the upstairs room. Yeah. The only time I've ever even been upstairs to the Canal Club. Yeah, because that was for the Fallen Dreams played on that one. For the Fallen Dreams, Beneath the Massacre, Suicide Silence, Abacab, Amur, uh, Arsonist, Get All the Girls. It was huge, it bro. Was, it was massive. I don't think as many people went to that one as they did the first one, but it was still the, the lineup was oh yeah. Fucking chain. Oh, I was dick riding Frankie Paul Mary that night. So I was like, yo, dude, you can watch our set, bro, please. <laughs> You're my favorite band. Um, <clears throat> all right. So now I want to get into some of the crazy stories. I've tried to keep these as PG 13 as possible. Nuvering. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell Luke about that one off the podcast. Yeah, because it's on here. It's Kyle sent me a list of everything he's going to go through. And I think I forgot. it's on here twice. <laughs> so uh, one of my favorite memories is the New Year's Eve party at your house, which was also a really fucking fun show that we played. Yeah, um, it was us and uh, what was Brian? It was Tony's band. What was that band? I don't I don't remember the name. Oh. Because that dude, they had that kid that everybody called Fish that did vocals. Uh, I only remember uh, Brian and Tony. Oh, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I re yeah, that was killer. All our homies come down from New Jersey and shit. Yeah, yeah. The big chick. What was her name? Jules. Jules. I still talk oh, to her, my. man. She was a scary bro. Well, I haven't talked to her in for a while. Like, if you've seen her now, you'd be like, that's not the same girl. Like, she's completely, like, into fashion and, and, like, modeling and shit like that. You could tell it would go that way. Oh, yeah. But she was, like, as far as, like, broads in the hardcore scene, she was probably one of the meanest bitches I'd ever fucking met, dude. <laughs> like, by far. Oh, she, she was the female FUBU. Oh, no doubt. 100%. <laughs> so, there was a what funny a story about uh, your neighbor that night. Oh, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> that man was drunk. Yeah, so this fucking, this old timer. He lived across the street. He would just cut grass. And he'd come over and cut my grass for a couple of dollars. Just get beer money. So we were having this big party. He comes on over the house that night. We got a big old gallon of Jaeger with pump handle and everything. So we all started drinking. This. Yeah, we loved Jaeger at this point. Oh, Jaeger, God, Jaeger was like. fucking gross. <laughs> God, so, I hate Jaeger. This motherfucker, he's in the bottle of Jaeger more than anybody. 
we're all standing there <laughs> taking shots and he goes to take a shot and he falls face first into the fucking counter when he hit the counter his false teeth flew out and went across the room <laughs> bro we thought he was dead like he literally like this we're kind of we're probably fucked up for this but for like two hours this motherfucker just laid on my kitchen floor just kind of like gurgling on his and instead of checking on him, fucking Danny guy walks up to him with a permanent marker and writes Chub Life on his belly. Yes. <laughs> uh, by six o'clock in the morning, we got this dude up and took him over and put him on his front porch in his chair. and just With his teeth. It, with his teeth. Just, put, just kind of put his teeth in his hand. <laughs> Benny Deaver passed out on your little ramp towards yeah. the backyard. Yeah, I had a little ramp that would lead up to our back porch, right? And fucking Benny, he's passed out with his like leg hanging off, and hand hanging off, it throwing up all over the fucking place. We, we had, had a we had cars of... parked up oh, and yeah. down the road. There was probably 150 people in my Holy house that shit. night. Oh, yep. it, it was it was stupid. I crowd surfed like instead of watching the ball drop, you know, anywhere else, we decided to pack as many people we could in the master bedroom upstairs to watch the heads. ball drop. So when the ball dropped, I crowd surfed the fucking room. And we passed around a Godfather blunt that was like that long. Oh yeah, holy back, shit! Well, back then you could buy Philly blunts, you know, instead of buying the rolls and shit like they have now. But they had these ones called Titans. So if you took a tweezers and pulled all the guts out of it, you could pack almost an ounce of weed inside of it. So God damn! Yeah, I, I was fucking twenty. I was stupid. I didn't live. <laughs> yeah, the I was smartest. sixteen. I know. I hope your parents aren't listening to this. <laughs> You know, all the times your poor parents were like, oh, I trust Kyle with you. I know you're a good influence. I was, <laughs> I was the worst influence you could ever leave your child with. And yeah, but I, I was in good now. hands. Yeah, you, oh, I can tell you right now, you were in great hands because under my watch, there wasn't a fucking thing happening to any of my friends, dude. I was crazy enough to the point where yeah, I was, it was kill or be killed, dude, no matter where we went. So nothing was happening to my fucking friends. But it's just the shit that I got my friends into <laughs> yeah there was a lot of parties on levels road oh yeah one that comes to mind for me is the night that what is her name got all that shit piled on top of her dara dara the one that punched bagels in the face uh, yeah yep yep she was dating toby she got all she she was all fucked up i don't know if she was rolling or what it was but she crawled up in the bed, and next thing you know, everything in the fucking room, dresser included, was piled on top of her. <laughs> like it, it literally took there was 30, a ladder on top of her. There was a ladder, parts of a drum set, a dresser, every piece of clothing in the room, the computer desk, the fucking computer chair, some fucking pots and pans from the kitchen. <laughs> and she didn't wake up at all. No, nah, she didn't wake up. Toby. And again, we didn't check to see if she was dead, like at that point. Nah. Now, people were built different back then. <laughs> we weren't ODing in airports off of fucking Percocet. So to, so to start getting into some of the shows now, yeah. uh, one of my favorite little weekend bangers we used to do was the Delaware trips. Yeah, those were always good times, man. So I started doing those Delaware trips with extortion. There was a band up there called Goat Bag. My buddy Richard Kahn, he was the, the guitarist for Man, we would always have a great time. We would go up there. It would play with those Goat Bag, some Diva, and there was always another band called Hard Cell. We would play with most of those guys, and it was just great times. And, you know, we'd go up there, we'd party all weekend, we'd play great music, and then come on back down the road. Um, another thing that I wanted to get into was tour. So we did one tour 
It was a summer tour. I don't remember how many dates it was. I think we left on September 19th because Ricky and Amanda got married that morning. And Did I, they really? Uh-huh. And I want to say <laughs> we came home October 1st or October 2nd. I did not know he got married that morning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess Amanda was freaking because, you know, Ricky at this point, you know, I love Ricky death. Other than what we did with extortion, Ricky had never really left the state of Virginia. And right. Here we, Ricky never left his bedroom. Right. Let's just go there. And we were loading him in a van to leave his home for who knows how long. <laughs> <laughs> who knows if we were even going to make it home. We don't like. You want to talk about a disaster. So we rented a van from Enterprise, and Enterprise screwed us on it two days before we're supposed to leave. So I start scrambling around. I find an old 1983 church van, <laughs> right? I bought this van. From me and Kyle actually went in together on it. We bought this van for 1000 bucks. It was parked behind this fucking shop. Weeds all grown all over it and shit. Like, probably hadn't ran in a few years, but it only had 60,000 miles on it. So I was hopeful. So we get this van, we change the oil on it, and we're like, fuck it, we're going on tour. Yeah, we went on tour. That van took us all the way to fucking Miami and all the way back home. You built, insane. what was it, a, a king queen-size bed foundation in the yeah. back? So being a church van, it was like a 19-passenger van, but all the seats except for one bench was removed. So I built a platform to put a queen-size bed on top of it, and all of our equipment could fit underneath of it, so that way we didn't have to tow a trailer and all that excess stuff. So at any given time, we're riding down the road. We'd have a driver, a passenger, one or two people on the bench, and then three or four people laying on the bed. Not the safest shit in the world, but... No. <laughs> fuck it. Hey, we cruised South Beach, Miami in this van. Doors like, wide the fuck open because we did not have AC. No, no, no air conditioning at all. And Miami in September was miserable. And we're cruising yeah. around out here with Lamborghinis, Bentleys, Ferraris, and shit. And we're like collaring at bitches. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> So the two biggest things that come to mind for me on tour was the story of Audrey, mm. which we'll get into the, you know, the hoodie, the, the Nabil. Oh man, I went straight ghetto on her. So we, we had a, it, it was like five or six dates that we were supposed to have in Florida through mm -hmm. all the big cities. We had Daytona, Tampa, Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Miami, and thought there was more than that. We were supposed to play. Orlando. Oh, yeah, Orlando was a bust. Yeah. We well, ended up going to downtown Disney that night. Yeah, like three of these ended up being a bust. So, Because of the shitty promoter. Well, because of Nabil. <laughs> <laughs> Nabil was thinking with his dick. And there was this chick, and he was trying to set up dates for our tour with her. And ended up... We meet her in Jacksonville. Well, hold on, let's... When Nabil was talking about this, he never said he, she. He only ever said, we got to pick the promoter up in Jacksonville at the bus station. She is going to hang with us for the three shows that we're doing, and then she's making her way away from us. Well, it, we didn't even know at this point it was a her. Right. I'm assuming we're picking up some fucking dorky dude. And then we get to this bus station, and here comes this bitch with bags <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. Now, we ended up playing the show in Jacksonville that night, so we thought everything was chill. Yeah. Then the Jacksonville show got dumped. Then the Orlando show got dumped. Yep. Then she doesn't have any money. Then she's starting to bum cigarettes off everyone. Mooch, literally a leech. She leached off us for somehow seven she, days. <laughs> somehow she ended up in my bed in the hotel room the one night. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I've heard this story like four times. Never heard that. <laughs> 
Okay, it, 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 it gets even fucking better with this. So uh, that next morning, we get up and we, we find a Boston market, right? We I'm, had to shower in the fucking hose bib. Yeah, like the, the dude's out there cleaning mats off. And I'm like, yo, can I use your hose? And I'm out there showering in his hose. So we go inside. We're sitting there eating. And I've got the video somewhere. I got the camera rolling. And I look at Kyle and everybody. And I was like, we're totally leaving this bitch here. Two fucking nights. It ends tonight, oh, motherfucker. I, hey, I looked at Kyle <laughs> in the van because he, you know, she woke up in Kyle's bed. I told Kyle, I was like, dude. You fuck this bitch. She is your <laughs> fucking problem. I was like, don't make this bitch your problem. For You'll the record, I did her. not fuck her. No, no. Kyle came home with us. Yeah, we made out. That was it. <laughs> you made out with the problem. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Oh, God. So, so we get to Miami after about three shows that had fallen through that she had no excuse for whatsoever. Yeah, we weren't very hopeful for this next show. This was a very eventful day and night because we drove from, I believe, Orlando all the way down or Tampa all the way down there. We were in Orlando. We drove. Okay. Destiny's part had somewhere to stay and they were like, yeah, y'all can't really come with us. Okay, well, fuck y'all. We're just going to drive to Miami. You know, they were like, yeah, it's only like three hours, six and a half hours later. We get to Miami when the fucking sun's coming up. We had no money. Our paychecks didn't clear till the next morning when the Boston market story happened. Oh, God. I ended up playing in a puddle that night to try and get some relief from how fucking hot it was. The only thing we had to drink was a <laughs> bottle of fucking disgusting wine. Oh, some, God. some homemade wine that I brought with us. I was like, yeah, we're going to fucking drink this and be drunk. I was the fucking stupidest shit ever. So we oh, ended up God. playing the show, the one that uh, the barber was at. Great fucking show. And then the party started. Oh, yeah. Now we went to, uh, we decided we're going to go to South Beach. After this show, we're going to go to South Beach. We're going to go live it up like rock stars and rappers. Oh, my <laughs> we God. We wanted to see what the Miami nightlife was actually like. We ate at a really nice restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. We go to this fucking restaurant. It's on 15th Street. So there's 15 streets that line South Beach, Miami. We're all the way at the fucking end because it's a place we can find parking. So we're sitting there eating wings. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to order a mixed drink. I order a fucking strawberry daiquiri, a little bitch drink, right? They bring me this goddamn fish tank. Like, it was literally a fucking fish bowl. So I'm slurping this thing down. I started drinking beer. I'm about a little turn up. I walk into the fucking bar to order a couple shots, and there's a tranny sitting there, right? My buddy's like, dude, don't talk to this broad. And I was like, ah, fuck it, whatever. This broad was like, oh, what are you drinking? I was like, I don't know. What are you drinking? She goes her straw and tries to give me a drink. Well, I just pounded her fucking drink. Next thing I know, the tranny's buying us shots. So we're already sloshy as fuck. We leave there. Me, Bagels. Oh, no. We leave there and we walk to the liquor store. Yeah. So when we walk four blocks away, we get to the liquor store. that's where I was able to get 40s. Yep. Yep. So I buy everybody bottles of Jaeger. I buy a case of Yingling. And then I tried to buy a bottle of fucking Cristal. Because I was already drunk. I was like, we're going to be in Miami. Let's drink champagne. Thank fucking God Ricky was still sober and took my credit card from me. I was, I was buying a $500 bottle of champagne. I didn't give a damn. So we leave there and we start walking around. We get down to the main strip and me and Bagels and one other guy, we had the idea that we we're going to take a shot at every block. From it wasn't Tom. To <laughs> it, it, it was, it was the, No, it was Craig. Craig. Yep. So His everything started. Brother, right? we, we walk all the way to street. Yep. We walk all the way to street one. We start taking shots, 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 shots. I mean, I'm already fucked up. So we got the fucking 40s out. We're drinking 40s walking down the road. 
I go to pour mine up to take a sip and a fucking cop just grabs it out my hand. And I just kept walking. I was like, I'm not stopping. He didn't stop me. I'm not stopping. He just drafts my 40 out of my hand. I was like, well, fuck it to the next bar. At this point, we're at the end of the strip. We walk into the glass for our last shots of the night. They pour us our double shot of Jaeger like we've been doing all night long. And it was fucking piss hot. Yeah. Oh, it was piss hot. And I, I got all this food and liquor in my stomach. So I'm, I'm like, oh, God, this has fucked me up. I walk outside. When I turn around and I walk out the door, this poor homeless dude is sitting there with a fresh slice of pizza. Like somebody had just gave him this fucking slice of pizza and he was getting ready to take a bite. I lost it. <laughs> I threw up all over him. Like I, I showered this dude. This fucking dude just looks up like bagels is standing. This dude just looks at bagels like, why me? And you know, I, I'm gone. I dipped the fuck out. It wasn't maybe 10, 15 minutes after that, I'm passed out on the front steps of some building. I don't know where the fuck we were at. I get woken up at 2.30 in the fucking morning to uh, one of our guitarists, Ricky, throwing all this girl Audrey stuff across the parking lot. <laughs> so I wake up in, in, in true ghetto fashion. I wake up and I go shopping. Like I just see all of her shit screwed across the parking lot. I was like, I'll take these shoes. <laughs> I'll take these sunglasses. Oh, man, I like this fucking hoodie. And then they just told me, get in the van. I get in the van and pass back out and I wake up in Georgia. Yeah, because Ricky drove to... I think it was Jacksonville again, and then I drove all the way to fucking North Carolina. Hmm. But yeah, so Ricky ends up telling this chick, yo, you are not coming with us. You have fucked us over enough. You are staying in Miami, which was about 10 hours from her hometown. Yeah, she thought that we were going to take her all the way to St. Petersburg, which was on the Gulf side of Florida, when we're going up the or the Atlantic side of fucking of Florida. So mm -hmm. that, that shit wasn't going to happen to start with. And that's where it came up to where, you know, this bitch is staying here tonight. Right. So, how many shows do you think we finished without a vocalist? Oh, man. I, quite a few. Quite a few. Oh, that shit was crazy. Yeah, I was just, you know, back into that fucking, I'm, I'm a dickhead, you know, kind of deal. You know, I, I'm, I should be up there performing with my band, and I see a fight break out in the middle of the mosh pit, and I'm like, fuck it, I got to be in this fight. It had nothing to do with me, but I was like, fuck it. I've just got to be the biggest dickhead in the room. And then one of our random friends would just pick up the mic and... Yeah, somebody would always just come in and just fucking squeal or scream until our set was over. So what do you think our uh, your favorite song we ever wrote was? Oh. Man, like, the original version of Get Tough that we wrote, like, when we opened our set with that, it just always felt good. You know, it just it just drove, man. It, it it started out pounding super hard, and just I don't know that driving ass vocal line right there in the beginning. Just always, it always felt good to start our set with that. Like I liked all of our songs, but <clears throat> that was definitely one of my favorites because it was definitely on the more aggressive edge than a lot of what we were writing was. You know, a lot of our music was definitely aggressive and fuck you oriented, but you know that one was it. It was like we were trying to make more of a statement. Yeah, definitely. So to uh, finish up with the music side, what's one band that we never got to play with that you would want to? I could go on for days because there's all the new music that I'm listening to now. That so you know, so let's do it. With. Let's do it now, and let's do it from when we were a band. All right, when we were a band and actively playing, I would have loved to played with like fucking I Declare War. I would love to played with you know like Misery Cordium. You know, we played, yes. with, you know, like those would have been some shows I would have loved really been on. 
I thought you would have said Dillinger. Yeah, well, Dillinger would Dillinger would have been cool, but we didn't really fit that. Bill. No, not at all. Like we weren't a math oriented band or a super tech band. You know, we had a lot of technical aspects to us, but we were more passion and you know, I'm not gonna. I don't like to say hate driven, but you know, we were more of the the fuck you, listen to what we have to say kind of orientation when it came to music. Okay, Where, and what about bands from now? Bands now, like, I'd like to play with, like, Alpha Wolf, Body Snatcher. Like, I'm on this really big Body Snatcher kick. I've, I've loved those dudes for a long time. Like, Orthodox, those dudes are bad. That's a good band. Yeah, Orthodox is a really good dude. Really, really good band. Um, Varials, like, you know, bands along those lines and genres. Like, uh, if, and not even just getting to play with those bands. Like, if we could play another show, like, big show, I would love to play This Is Hardcore in Philly. Oh my god, the lineup for that this year is so fucking good. Oh, it's always good. What are some bands that are on it this year? Uh, Wisdom and Chains. Mind Force. Oh, that's a good band. You introduced me to that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Isn't Down to Nothing playing also? Are um, they really? I don't think they are. They're either playing that one or United Blood. Because I think United Blood's coming back this year in Richmond. That'd be nice, dude. I went to the last United Blood they had for a while. Um, so Bane, Gorilla Biscuits, Integrity, Earth Crisis, uh, Prayer for Cleansing, Bitter End, yeah. Bulldoze is fucking playing. Uh, let's see. I'm just skipping ones I don't give a fuck about. Death <laughs> Threat's playing. End It's playing. Death Threat. That's Wreck. a cool band name. Yeah. Gridiron. Uh, Killing Me, Magnitude. Life's question. Uh, you know Matt Dooley. That's his friend uh from out Midwest. Okay. Uh let's see. Panic Crew, Pain of Truth, also from Midwest, really good band. Uh Regulate Sick. Suburban Scum, for some reason they're playing. <laughs> uh Vane, Wisdom and Chains, and Year of the Knife. Year of the Knife's a bad fucking uh straight edge band out of Philly. Okay. They're good as fuck. Yeah, that that whole show, like, yeah, it's always good, but like, bro, it's gonna be a really good fucking show this year. And where's it at? Philly. Are you going? Don't, no. don't they do no, it no, at no. the Unitarian Church? Is yeah, the- yeah. See, the dude, the dude that, uh, I I guess, he either like co-founded or was like a big part of FSU in the beginning. His name is Joe Hardcore. He's the one that's always yeah. put it on. He's in Shattered Realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the vocalist for Shattered Realm. Yeah, he's he's been the driving force behind a lot of Philly shows. Oh yeah, he's he's big time name up there, and not even yeah. just Philly, like Philly and New York. Yeah, and he's a uh, he's a uh, what a union concrete worker, believe it or not, big into fucking shit like that. Yeah, I can remember back when uh, they released the the first tour eulogy put out and went on. It was the uh, the Warriors, Shattered Realms, On Broken Wings, Black My Heart. And it came through Fredericksburg. God damn, I'm that had like to be so good. Two th- in 2004? 2003, I bet that was a violent fucking place to be oh, that yeah. night. Man, before Casey's Music Alley, man, shows that actually, man, they used to do shows at a little place called Shooters on Route 1. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know exactly where you're talking okay, about. Exactly. Man, I'm going to tell you some of the most violent shit I ever seen happen there. Like, here we go. I'll break it down for you. On Broken Wings was playing there one night. It was the Mosh Olympics. Yep. So uh, Ed Gein had showed up. I don't know if you ever heard of Ed Gein, three piece from up in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. All right, pretty decent band. Their merch dude was into On Broken Wings. 
on Broken Wings was playing. Well, one of the big straight edge dudes from a crew down in Richmond ended up knocking this dude the fuck out. I'm talking like leveled him, slept him on the floor. Like four people picked him up, arms and legs, and carried him outside. Well, that fucking flew Ed Gein off the handle because they're they're not into that hardcore, you know, masculine shit. They're mm. a bunch of fucking straight edge pussies that played pretty cool music. Well, uh, <laughs> they what a fucking to- sideways conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I've always liked their music, but they're like, we part, we tried to hang out and party with them. Like they would come stay at the house at my buddy's house and they would literally lock themselves in a bedroom. They didn't want to be around nothing. It was just the three of them. Cause it's a three piece band. They would literally lock themselves like the way underneath the gun did with us that night yep. when they came to the house. They just kind of, they just wanted to be in this room to themselves. They didn't want to be around nothing. And I don't know if they were talking scripture or what, but they, they were just weird. <laughs> Let us pray. Well, uh, when that shit happened. <laughs> they ended up getting pissed off and, you know, they were going to leave the show before they played. They wanted to be paid and shit like that. You know, it had nothing to do with FSU and on broken wings, but they made it a part of their business. Next thing you know, the whole fucking venue dumps out because Ed Gein has been chased to their van. So as they're trying to get in their van, the vocalist from on broken wings, I want to say it was either vocalist. Don't quote me. Cause I wasn't standing there when it happened, but I'm pretty positive. It was a vocalist grabs the door of the van and slams it on the fucking drummer's foot and breaks Ooh. his fucking foot. So they Ooh. released an album called Judas Ghosts and Diesel Eaters. The very last track on that album called This Ends Now is about that instance that night. Damn. Yep, at Shooters in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Dude, Shooters is so well known. I I get tattooed by like a very old head. Like you, he's a, he broke edge, but he was like he was a very like your typical like nineties edge kid. But he's cool as fuck. I've been getting tattooed by him for 12 years. He knows all about shooters. Oh, yeah, man. Shooters, even before our time, you know, when back when, you know, my mom was young, shooters used to be a biker hangout. So, you know, if you were if you were one percenter, that's where you hung out, you know, and then for some reason, shooters turned into a a, a teen hangout. They stopped serving alcohol. They just had the pool tables and shit. And that's when hardcore shows came through because the very first time I ever seen the Acacia strain was actually there. It was matter of fact. It was a case strain in the Judas Cradle played the same night. It was a killer show. Sounds like a good place to go get your ass beat, man. Well, <laughs> dude, anytime like on Broken Wings or Black, my heart would play. Like it's scary. Those shows, those were those two bands alone were probably the most violent shows I'd ever seen. And every time I ever seen them, it was like that. Like first time I ever seen on Broken Wings. We went to the Breakdowns Not Bombs festivals up at uh, East Coast Billiards in Woodbridge. I want to mm-hmm. say probably 2003. It was um, As I Lay Dying, uh, Full Blown Chaos, uh, God Forbid, Avenged Sevenfold, I want to say it was on that day. Like it was, it was a packed house while On Broken Wings was playing too. Or they were playing like mid-card. They weren't even fucking supposed to be playing anywhere. And nobody really knew who they were. And I'll never forget it. My man steps up on stage. He had his full gold grill in. He had the little feathery jacket with the hood fringe and shit. He grabs the mic. And the only thing he says, he's like, we're on broken wings from Boston. We fuck shit up. And it was fucking mayhem. Like, they didn't even <laughs> they didn't even make it through a full song. Like, the, they were halfway through the song, and they cut their fucking power because pool tables were being flipped. Shit was getting thrown. Festival was over. None of the other bands got to play. Festival was completely Holy they, shit. They canceled it then. And after that, I was like, yeah, this is like my favorite fucking band. <laughs> this is the best band that's ever existed. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a little something funnier about On Broken Wings. So I had a, if it would have been nowadays, I had a, what would have been a, a meme moment at one of their shows. And I want to say it was the hardcore, the first annual hardcore metal festival. So there's a spot in On Broken Wings set. If you go back and watch the video, 
where they're i think it's uh what song was it i think it's stream like star stream yeah like so, star stream okay yeah so uh the music kind of just takes a pause right and it's just, they're still going on, but they're leading up to the breakdown so i jumped up on the fucking stage because i was gonna run on heads so i kind of got stuck on stage because there was no music going on so i'm just prancing back and forth pacing at that one point in time, John Blake fucking kind of just right as I'm going to pass him, he gives me the Heisman stiff arm, like right in the side of my face. And all you see is me disappear into the fucking crowd. <laughs> but that video <laughs> circulated like it was the John Blake face palm. Like that shit circulated for the fucking longest time, dude. Those are two bands that I wish if I could like go back and get to listen to a band live, that's two bands that I would have loved to because I, unfortunately, man, like that just wasn't shit I was allowed to go to when I was younger. So Obi Dub like, was tailing. wild. Yeah, Unbroken Wing shows were killer. <clears throat> like, we got they, to play with them with the Mirror and Recon up in. Yo, Jax. Recon's another. I fucking hate yeah. it here. Fuck Frankie. But well, we played with uh, Unbroken Wings a couple times because we played with them at Jacks, and then we played with them up at the Sterling Community Center the night that I. That was in. a wild show, dude. Yeah, that night that dude was going to fucking pull a knife out on us, <laughs> and he ended up like fucking his hand up when he punched the light pole. <laughs> yeah, and got arrested, dumbass. <laughs> So like that's another right. venue that was really good was Jacks. Yeah, Jacks was fun in the Sterling Community Center. There was a lot of really good shows up there too. Like that dude got all pissed off that night because we we started playing our set and he went to throw some hands and he fell and hit the ground. But when he did, I stepped on the side of his fucking head and just <laughs> held him to the ground and was just screaming at him. So this dude, he didn't like that shit. He was mad, like he was fucking mad. So after our set, we're loading all our equipment out. Him and his buddies were outside thinking that they were gonna fucking come at us, dude. So homeboy, I see a knife in his hand. So I pulled my knife out. And I was like, if this is the way you want to go, dude, I'll cut every fucking one of y'all right now. So then, but at this point, the cops come over and intervened and shit. So they kind of broke it up. We go back in for the next fucking set, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, went to, I went to walk up to dude during the music. And I was like, look, man, hey, sorry. It was, I'm a showman. I was just putting on a show. Well, this dude, and I went to shake his hand. And this dude fucking pushed my hand away. So I was like, okay, fuck you. I spit in his face. Well, homeboy <laughs> went to come charging at me. And it was the greatest shit ever. Bobby Roofless and Jason Malhoit come from either side of me and they yank this fucking dude up and they take him outside. When dude gets outside, he punches the fucking like electric meter right there, fucks his hand all up, and then the cops mace his ass and arrest him. <laughs> Bear spray. <laughs> nah, they had them little pussy small cans. They couldn't hang with my can. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Uh, I want to I wanna finish with talking about your business now because yeah. I really want to promote that. Not a problem. So tell us about your business. All right. Well, uh, it, it's kind of simple. I, I make custom skateboards. So uh, I, I jumped into the world of skateboards. Well, I travel the automotive scene a lot. I do a lot of car shows. And uh, there's always artwork everywhere. You know, between show shirts that people wear, you know, all the events host out artwork just because it helps them sell merchandise. So um, I started taking their artwork and stuff and manipulating them to work on skateboards to give them another avenue to make money. And it is turned into something awesome and so far this year after i do this event that i got coming up next week and i've done over 500 skateboards for this year alone yeah that's nuts yeah by the end of the year i'm i'm hoping to break 2000 how many did you sell last year uh, a little over 1400 so that'd be a big jump yeah well and uh, you know, i probably won't hit 2000 but that's just that target number that i'm trying to hit that's good set a yeah. goal yeah and like you know because right now i work in a vinyl wrap shop so i wrap cars for a living so you know i work with you know, stickers. So I started printing everything on the wrap vinyl and that's how I was producing the skateboards is I, I would wrap them. So it's the same concept. It's the same thing as if you buy a skateboard from a store, but it said the graphic that's on it is a sticker instead of being a permanent fixture. 
But uh, back in the beginning of the year, me and a business partner of mine, we acquired the actual heat transfer machine to do permanent skateboards to, you know, keep on putting, you know, well, the production rate is what we're really aiming for. Because right now, wrapping decks, you know, I can produce 100 decks in a few days where this machine could do up to 100 in an hour. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's going to be the real big game changer. But, you know, of course, trials and tribulations of everything. You know, I've got the machine. The machine came from Japan. <laughs> Everything's in Japanese. So and it's a three <laughs> it's a three phase machine. So, you know, right now I'm trying to get a proper electrician to get out and get us outfitted for a, a phase inverter, whether it's a rotary or electronic phase inverter. You know, that's where I'm at now. But I'm hoping to have the machine set up within the next couple of weeks and be pumping them out that way instead of killing myself every night sitting at a table wrapping them. That's that's crazy, man. The amount of shit that you've done and to see that this business is getting so big. So it's called Get Decked. Yep, Get Decked. And you know, I've got a Get Decked on Facebook and then I've got Get Decked on um Instagram, which is Get Decked underscore VA. And you know, you can find me there. And once you're there, you know, you'll see the skateboard pictures. But no, nah, it's just it's been super cool. Like I've told the best way I can uh, explain it to people is I've paddled myself up on this huge wave, like Mavericks Jaws, like the biggest wave you can. And I'm just riding this wave until it crashes. You know, it's about all I can do. You know, I don't, I don't push it. Just like, you know, I'm not really big on advertising, pushing everything. You know, I've always been a firm believer, you know, if things build organically, they stay more true to form. You know, mm -hmm. so I could, I could push it. And, you know, if I wanted to do the 2000, you know, I'm pretty sure I could start jumping into different markets and push myself, push myself. But, you know, the word of mouth has worked out spectacular for me. And, and I enjoy it like that. You know, I work a full-time job. I have four kids. And then I have a second business, you know, which is a full-time job on top of the car show. So I stretch myself super thin, you know, and that's also a true testament, you know, how awesome of a wife I have because she keeps our home together and keeps our family thriving when I'm away because I'm always on the road. I just, two weeks ago, I was in Laughlin, Nevada, and then I was in California a couple of days before that doing a wrap job on a car. You know, so, and you're about to leave again, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, Wednesday, we leave for Maggie Valley, North Carolina. So I'll be there Wednesday through Sunday. So that'll be a good money-making adventure. But it's also, you know, we go down there every year because my anniversary is April 20th. So we'll be Yo, mine is too. No shit. <laughs> yes, yeah, swear. Yep. yep. I, got, I got married on April 20th. My wife, you know, when we started talking about getting married, you know, I told her, I was like, I choose the date. You can have anything else. You can choose where, all that. I was like, I choose the date. And when I told her April 20th, she was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, it's Easter. <laughs> we got married on Easter Sunday. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm always on the road. I'm scaling back the traveling some this year. And of course, I say that, you know, I'm leaving 500 miles this week. And then two weeks from then, I'll be in Mobile, Alabama. You know, like every month I'll be in another state compared to like last year from, I want to say January through August. I'd only spent two Saturdays at home all last year. Like, and, and it took a lot of time away from, you know, Kyle and all of them started getting back together and putting music together. And it kept me away from them a lot. So I tried to dial back a lot of the traveling this year to focus more on growth within my side company and just growth at home, getting back to the basics of enjoying life. Mm -hmm. Well, well again, man, I, go, go ahead. ahead, Kyle. Oh, You're, uh, wait, hello. What? Huh? <laughs> uh, no, man. I mean, if it's any connotation of, of what you're doing uh, with attitude check, I'm I'm sure this business is just going to fly off the handle at any moment. Yeah, well, I, man, it's another one. I've been very grateful to be doing this for five years now. You know, That's so sick, it, man. You know, every year that we keep on going, 
it's success to me. It doesn't matter how much I grow within it. It's the longevity of how long I get to do this. Right. Well, I, I, dude, I, I fully believe in you and I fully back it. Cause I, I mean, you, that. you give a fuck about what you do. It's not just the, the money to you. It's, it's the passion behind it. Yeah. No, it, like, you know, I'd be dumb if I sit here and, you know, it's not about the money, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was one of the things, you know, a lot of people tried to preach to me when I started doing events and stuff like that is, you know, the one question that was asked to me and I never understood was what do you do to pay yourself? You know, at the end of the day, after you've done all this for everybody and you've done all this for community and all this for everything, what do you do to pay yourself? You know, and, and just reaping the benefits and seeing everything that comes from it is nice. And, you know, it, it is also nice, you know, the monetary portion of it, you know, to be able to do a lot of great things with my family that I never got to do growing up. And it's not saying anything bad about my parents. You know, we just grew up in different times. But, you know, like, I have I have four kids, so I have no choice but to drive and to succeed. Right. It's not like, you know, it's just me, myself in this world. Like, I could be the cliche dad and say, you know, I do this all for them. But initially, at the end of the day, you know, most of all the hustling that I did last year took my kids to Great Wolf Lodge, took my kids to the beach, bought my kids four-wheelers, you know, buys my kids Legos, takes us out to dinner. You know, like, I personally, you know, I've got my little truck, but it's been sitting for two years just because. It doesn't matter to me, you know, seeing everybody else flourish and happy around me is my reward. That's, that's my monetary compensation from all this. Hell yeah. That's sick, man. You're a fucking legend in the game, brother. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Like, you know, it's not that I've ever wanted to be a legend. I just wanted to do my part, do my part and leave some kind of carbon footprint for years to come. You know, and like, I, I, I hate, you know, and it's sometimes you know, it's super cool the opportunity that I've gotten to come on here and talk about you, myself, and what I do. And it's it's not really what I like to do. Like sometimes I, I choke up when people are, are like, "Well, man, you do this and you do that," and it just goes back to that same thing of just having to see myself in the same light as other people see me. Absolutely, right? Yeah, and I mean, you have to it, it, eventually you have to reward yourself for knowing that hey, I am doing pretty fucking good. Yeah, 100%. and I'm a good representation of my community. So, yeah, no, don't 100%. don't fucking don't just beat yourself down and fucking nose to the grindstone all the time. Oh, no. And I'm, I'm learning that a lot more. You know, I'm, I'm not getting any younger as I'm getting older. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not as sharp as I used to. But, you know, some things that used to be easy for me year one of the show have become harder for me in year 11 of the show. So, you know, it's just one of the biggest things is just humbling up and actually asking for help. Right. You know, that, that was one of my biggest downfalls. Is, you know, I've always had it in my mind fuck it, I'm going to do it myself just because I was left kind of with no choice growing up. You know, you figure it the fuck out or fail. It's right. got one or two options. And I say that shit to people all the time. You know, you've got two types of people in this world. you got people that make shit happen and people that make excuses. And, fuck I, yeah. and I chose to never be that person that made an excuse. Whether I fucked up or I didn't fuck up, I owned it in every aspect. Well, we appreciate you coming on the podcast, buddy. It's been a great couple hours oh this has been awesome it's been fun buddy it won't be the last time nah bring your asses to attitude check fucking right yo let's do a live podcast at attitude check why bro not? that'd be sick yeah should you be down for that 100 percent. cool 100 percent. you tight. can set up i can you just let me know what y'all need and i can furnish it fuck yeah. yeah that sounds sick well cool man uh you got anything luke 
Oh yeah, I got a TikTok if you want to listen to it. It's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, I got, hey, I got I enjoy, one. Even though TikTok. I can't see y'all's TikToks, I enjoy listening to them. When That's I what we to gotta podcast. do, man. Like Kyle, Kyle's like, oh, I'm gonna send this to you, and I'm like, well, other people can't see it. <laughs> He's like, it's funny though, right? Like, <laughs> I told you good. it would be. <laughs> right, I only got one. Yeah, it's already in your TikTok. All right, hold on. Yeah, I fucking I thought it was pretty funny. Join your snack, but all right. Hey, deal. What's up, man? This is Robert. So me and my fiance, we've been together for about six months. Well, she has some court dates coming up. She's facing some time. She's facing about eight years. I mean, I really don't know what I should do. Should I break it off or should I wait for her for eight years? You're going to have to do them conjugal visits or whatever. Sneak over there at night and just Andy Dufresne your wiener through that chain link fence. Let Molly or whatever her name is over there knob you off over there before the spotlight hits you. Because I can't ejaculate under a sheer spotlight. Anything over probably 120 watts, buddy, I can't come. What's up, man? This is Robert. What the fuck? I can't ejaculate over, I don't know, 120 watts. That, oh that dude God. is ridiculous. He is so fucking funny, man. Oh, he is. He is absolutely hilarious. But that was I the only one I... That was the only one I got, dude. Nah, uh, I don't have any, bud. Damn, you're slacking. Look, man, I let you have your fucking little Saturday. I got to go outside and work in the yard <laughs> bullshit. That's it. That's it for the summer, dog. You got to get your fucking shit together. I'm about sick. That was why I needed yesterday, bitch. I had to get my shit together. All right. Well, it needs to get together for this fucking podcast. Man. I, I can't. I can't, just can't do it anymore. I, I got the person. I got the mic. I got the interface. No TikToks. I mean, he just stopped there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, man. Well, nice talking to you guys. Hey, it was good talking to y'all. All right. Later. Later. Later.